0: This is Fred. Who's this? Who are you trying to call? Hello, Fred. What are you doing? I'm just making some popcorn. Oh, some popcorn, huh? You about to watch a scary movie? Uh, I'm actually about to record a podcast. What's your favorite? Did did, did you say a podcast? Yeah, State of the Franchise with Tom and Fred. What? But, you know, instead, I could send you a link. I think you would really like it. I don't know you personally, but I think it's kind of for everybody. Hello? Hello? Are you there?
1: Of the of and
2: and Frederick.
1: And Frederick. And Frederick.
0: Welcome to another very special episode during our special month of Scare of the Frankenchise. Scream of the Frankenchise. We just said <laughs> it. Scream. Scream of the Frankenchise. <laughs> 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 uh, yes. <laughs> this wasn't rehearsed at all. Tom, we're in the middle of our special Halloween month.
3: We are. We are in the middle of spooky season, Fred, and the, the spooks are in the air. We feeling the 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 veil between the living and the dead is is thin. And uh and yeah, I mean we're getting we're getting scared
0: out here, but Fred, we are screaming today. Mm-hmm. We've been teasing a scream for the past few episodes, and here we are to actually do it. I'm pretty excited. Absolutely,
3: yes. We are talking about the Scream franchise today. This, all six of the movie installments that are uh, so far in the franchise uh, which follows the well, I guess mostly they follow Sidney Prescott, played by Nev Campbell, as she is being uh, hunted or stalked by the Ghostface killer. Who's not always the same person,
0: mm-hmm. and not the one from Wu Tang Clan either. No, no, not that one.
3: <laughs> but Fred, as much as I know, we we are fans of the Scream franchise. We did bring in somebody today who is an even bigger fan of the Scream franchise. Would you like to introduce our guest
0: yes I would we have one of the greatest performers in Milwaukee <laughs> someone that I love to share the stage with someone who brings laughs upon laughs and tears upon tears we have Robbie McGee in the
2: house today hi everyone hi Robbie welcome to the show thanks I literally am the biggest scream fan coming in at six foot six and 400 pounds <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me
3: yeah no we're happy to have you on the show so i mean getting into spooky season obviously we we have a lot of different things we like to talk about and i think everybody loves watching movies and like scary
2: movies and stuff but why is scream your favorite scary movie robbie it was the second scary movie i ever saw in my life whoa the first being leprechaun <laughs> at the age of five wow. <laughs> my neighbor's house and i thought i would never be able to sleep again <laughs> and then come seventh grade i get the chance to see this movie that all of my friends are talking about yeah scream and again i cannot sleep for at least three weeks long and uh since then i just fell so in love with it that Every time a Scream movie comes out, regardless of who's going to be in it, I'm going to be in the theater seeing it. Oh. I'll drop what I'm doing in order to see it because I have to know what happens. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
3: Are you somebody that needs to go opening weekend just so you don't get anything spoiled for you?
2: Not necessarily because okay. I'm not a person that reads online things and people don't really post On Facebook or Twitter about Scream that are in my network. Sure. (laughs) That's totally fair. Totally fair. So, okay, so Scream,
3: you got into it, and then you were just like, got to see every installment. Now, do you love every single movie, the good and the bad? Or are there some that you're like, I might
2: skip that one? It's not like an album in the 90s I don't skip any tracks <laughs> um, but I definitely uh, I definitely have favorites for sure mm-hmm. because there are just a couple horrible ones in the mix that um, that new people like me were going to be suckers and go regardless of the quality and regardless of the names that were in the film Sure, yeah that totally makes sense and we'll definitely talk a little bit more about that today
0: what about you, though, Fred? What what was some of your history of seeing Scream? I feel the major history because I think I've talked about this on the podcast a lot. I was definitely not allowed to watch scary stuff growing up. There was a strict <laughs> PG rule in the household that I could not go past. But, you know, sometimes, you know, parents got to go out of town and grandparents got to come <laughs> take care of. And, uh Me and my grandmother had a bad relationship in this way because I would multiple times try to get her to buy or rent things I wasn't allowed to watch. I remember getting her to buy me Jurassic Park and having it in the player. And it's like the opening scene where like the dinosaurs in the cage and I hear in the background, my grandmother's on the phone. Oh, he's just watching a movie we picked up. Jurassic Park. (laughs) What? And then she comes and shuts it off. But Scream 2, I convinced her to let me rent one weekend when she was taking care of me from the library. Wow. And I just remember seeing these covers because the covers were so great. They had, like... You know, the scared, silhouette faces. But then they had these, like, real angsty pictures of the whole cast. Like, they had, like, the nice hair. And depending on who was in each one, they had different profile shots. And I just remember looking at those boxes, bringing home Scream 2, watching on VHS and being like, this is great. I don't really know who these people are (laughs) because I'm jumping (laughs) in halfway through. And the funniest thing was, I'm pretty sure... No, I can say this for a fact. I saw scary movie before i saw scream one so those movies are kind of tied together for me yeah but eventually around eighth grade i convinced my mom to get me the trilogy three pack on dvd the mom who would not let me get anything i eventually let her or she let me get these dvds that i watched on repeat on repeat And so I watched Scream 1 through 3, like, hundreds of times, because those were the R-rated movies I could have. Yeah. Like, I had those at the house.
2: Well, and I think that we were conditioned, uh, because I remember I was a part of a group that would read all the latest Goosebumps and then come nice. and talk about it and then that generated to Fear street books which were a little bit more adult <laughs> and risque yeah. sometimes there were actual blood in those <laughs> and then that transitioned into this new film that came out and so uh, i think that there was a, the, it was the cool thing to do was to go see scream mm-hmm. And lose sleep. <laughs> Scream is one of the
0: coolest franchises, I will say. like with within horror, it's got a lot of cool to it. it does. And I feel like over time, you start to appreciate what
3: Scream was doing because it had such that, like met its commentary at the time that it feels like every movie has tried to replicate like the thing you just said before Fred talking about like the, the covers on the movies how many other movies like parodied that afterward mm-hmm. it was like I know what you did last summer and teaching Mrs. Tingle yeah and the faculty. all the movies written yeah. by
0: Kevin Williamson yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: it's yeah, it's always like you had like the silhouette of like something kind of spooky and then you had the angsty teens kind of <laughs> forefront it looked like a Dawson's Creek poster like <laughs> yeah, made writer on Dawson's Creek Kevin Williamson yeah <laughs> So did you have like a, a you had a, like a group of friends then that were like all into like
2: like scary stuff all the time? Oh absolutely. We were all in a in a private Catholic school that had a graduating oh. eighth grade class of 12 people. We didn't have a lot to talk about or agree upon except for that. so yeah, we were afraid of sinning and we were afraid of ghost face.
3: <laughs> I mean as one does at age whatever 12 or thirteen yeah <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I can kind of remember getting into Scream because I think it was, like you guys are talking about, like it was sort of like taboo, like you really weren't supposed to watch it because you were too young for it. Like it was like all 17-year-olds were supposed to come and see this thing. But I remember like my sister introduced me to everything because she's three years older than I am. And so whenever she would buy a new movie or buy a new CD, ultimately it got into my hands at some point. And Scream just happened to be one of them that she got on VHS and Parents left me alone for the night. I'm like, I'm going to pop this in. And I was just like, oh, shit. (laughs)
2: This is intense. And I wonder if it had a bigger impact on me because it felt like it was set in a rural small town. It wasn't. It was set in California or the characters were set in California. Yeah. But the first very first scene out in the cornfield was very relevant for me you know, who I would spend weekends at my grandparents' house out in the cornfield where I could have been slaughtered and hung from a tree, (laughs) you know, and then left for dead as they, you know, drive through the driveway and could see me being murdered. But don't. It's all coming back to me. I'm Drew Barrymore. (laughs) Also, bamboozled. I mean, they got us thinking. Can we get into it? That thinking that she was going to be in
3: the whole film. Yeah. Speaking about the poster or the cover for the movie, she is like front and center on that thing, like right next to Neve Campbell. And you're like, they're going to be in it together. They're going to survive this Mm -hmm. thing. But they don't. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Which is a time-honored tradition of the movies, right? It's like you always kind of rope you in with somebody prominent who you were like, there's no way they're going to kill this person right away. And then boom, it's like they're out spoiler alert, by the way, if you're listening to this at home and have not yes. watched any Scream movies and don't want this spoiled, yeah, uh, prominent people die and we're going to talk about it, so... Yes, we'll you, be spoiling all Scream. Yeah, I mean, I hope you're not listening to this episode without watching Scream, but if you are, uh, hopefully you don't mind spoilers. So, anyway, but yes, back to
1: it. <laughs> it was.
3: It, it was. I think we were pretty shook. Um. Let's Yeah, let's talk about the first Scream. Let's get into a little bit of the history of it. So... Scream 1 came out in 1996, December 20th, to be specific. So this wasn't even like a Halloween-era release. This is like Christmas. Yep. A different type of Black Christmas, if you want that. Uh, uh, you ever seen Black Christmas? I have not. Maybe I should. Yeah? Me neither. No. I haven't either.
0: And <laughs> I just know about it, and everyone's like, oh, what a movie. And I'm like... Not for me, I don't think. (laughs) Yeah, because there's like a 70s one and there was a remake recently. So at least it was good enough to do twice. (laughs) We'll we'll talk about remaking horror movies, though, with this franchise. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I did want to say, before you jump in further, like at this time, like the early 90s, really bad time for horror movies. At this time, you're just getting like Freddy, Jason, and Michael. Versus Chucky, versus (laughs)
2: Pride of the, versus whatever.
0: This is like... Uh, excuse me this is like entries four and five of those movies and they like weren't good since the beginning so like this is like bad days for horror and they were getting weird like those Michael Myers
3: like the Halloween movies Mm -hmm. like they're like oh he's not just some crazy dude he's a
0: demon and it's like but that kind of ruins it like isn't the whole terror of it is that he could be anybody right and you start bringing in druid cults and stuff like that (laughs) it gets
2: messy well, and I also, this was before or right at the cusp of um, road rules, real world. Mm. There was, we were on the verge of making things that were very real, what entertainment was going to be, um, because it was cheaper to produce and people just wanted to see m- more people that were relatable yeah. rather than these over the top characters that, uh, actually could not exist. Instead, you have people just calling your landline and then murdering you. (laughs) Yeah, this really did
3: hit home. I know you were kind of joking before about like the cornfield and it feeling very relatable, but who hasn't been home alone making popcorn or something? Maybe not on your stovetop. I don't know how many people did that, but
2: you're like at home and you're just like, phone rings, you're like, who the fuck is that? (laughs) (laughs) Right, but also all the prank calls that were going on in the 90s too. It was before cell phones, which and I'll get into this later, I think was a big reason they got worse and worse. It was because, uh, and that's why we're seeing movies uh, and, and series like Stranger Things before there were cell phones because things were just more interesting to watch when you couldn't communicate so quickly. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's directors who've gone on record and said they
3: don't want to make a movie before like 2000 because they just don't want to deal with the cell phone thing. They're like, we can't tell a story with text messaging.
2: Right. There's one point where where. are um our main character gets a an instant message threat and it's like okay geez louise do i care no aol
0: and it's funny they do try to address it in like the later sequels they'll have like uh sydney calling someone out on like caller id or something like i know
2: exactly who this is and the sidekick phone do you remember that yeah
3: (laughs) oh my gosh okay so Man, I really can't wait to dive into all this. But it is so fun watching the evolution of phones throughout this franchise. Definitely. If you go from one to like six, you are like, wow, they went from having these block cell phones to like, yeah, having this psychic side- I can't wait to see Scream 57. <laughs> <laughs> So Scream was written by Kevin Williamson, as Fred mentioned before, and directed by the director of Nightmare on Elm Street, Mr. Wes Craven. And uh, so it it offered more of a self-referential approach to horror by, I think, you had people that were aware that they were in, like, Horror movie, right? Mm-hmm. It really was almost like they knew the cameras were on, like, and they're in on the joke, despite them still making the situation feel very real. the The film was originally titled Scary Movie, which is <laughs> funny that they uh, then made the parody movie off of that. I, I feel like Scary Movie probably didn't age super well. Now.
0: <laughs> and I think uh, I could be wrong about this, but because Scary Movie was originally. The they had the rights to that name originally because they were gonna name it that. That's why you have so many scary movies now, like Scary Movie Five, Six, Seven, that aren't made by the original people, because the company owned the name Scary Movie and they could just make them as much as they wanted to.
2: Oh wow. I didn't I know. like to think they went with Scream because of Matthew Lillard's delivery. <laughs> um it's a
0: screaming.
1: <laughs>
2: that is great.
0: And also the scream, the 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 painting. The yeah. mask looks um, like the painting.
3: That's right. Yeah. The scream, yeah. The, the painting, the scream. The original scream, if you will. <laughs> the movie was considered a financial success and received a lot of critical acclaim uh, basically just for deconstructing the horror genre. I mean, if you haven't seen this movie, it really is just like telling you the beats of how a horror movie should go and everybody's making fun of all the tropes like oh yeah I'm a dumb bimbo that runs upstairs you know when I should be going out the front door like the main character says that like literally is a line in the movie and it really kind of just revitalized the horror genre that Fred mentioned was kind of dying and just sort of going nowhere the films that were coming out were bad sequels that weren't making any money or if they were they were very nominal just enough to fund the next crappy sequel to Mm -hmm. come after it so, really, I think it, it was a revolution. I mean, revolutionized posters and it revolutionized, uh, you know, the way stories were told and the way that characters interacted and characters felt real in this. Uh, the film focuses on, as I mentioned before at the top of this episode, uh, Sydney Prescott. And she comes under attack from a mysterious character who's dubbed Ghostface while dealing with the anniversary of her mother's murder. So, originally, Sydney was going to be played by Drew Barrymore, who we talked about up top, but. Uh, Could not do that because of scheduling conflicts, and uh, the opening role, or the role, ended up going to Nev Campbell instead. And that was a much better decision, I feel like.
2: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think that it was just uh, brilliant to take America's sweetheart and killer in the beginning of the movie. We all... Loved. I mean, she was a Charlie's Angel. She was. I mean, so many things. But to. I mean, she was Sugar on Batman Forever. <laughs> she was. You know, so many characters that uh, we we all just like loved her. We had so many high, like so many expectations to. Um, and I think Drew Barrymore played a role in deciding that she was, besides scheduling, going to be killed in the beginning. Is that right? Uh, that's what I. Uh, that's what I saw too. Yeah. So. um I thought going with going with Nev Campbell was uh, great because then all of a sudden we were like, "Who is this person? Mm-hmm. Why are we behind her?" It made us want to be behind her and her success even more. I think.
3: Yeah, and you don't have any preconceived notions on who Nev Campbell was, right? If you have Drew Barrymore play that role, you're like, "Oh yeah, of course she's gonna be kind of like." I don't know, a little flighty, like, you know, the Drew Barrymore thing of, like, she's not dumb, but she does kind of seem a little, like, in space a little bit sometimes, which you get a little bit in her opening role, but even then, she's kind of sharp in calling this guy out when she gets that phone call in the beginning. But it is, it is a stunner. The first time you watched this, you're like, yeah, Drew Barrymore is going to be in this. It's like watching the beginning of Mission Impossible 1. When you see like, <laughs> all these like, famous people like Emilio Estevez and stuff, you're like, wow, we're going to be with this gang the whole movie. And it's like, bam, bam, bam. Everyone's gone. <laughs> Another movie that came out in
2: 1996. <laughs> oh, uh. <laughs> yeah, I, um, going back to uh, No Campbell, we, we, la- we lost Drew quickly. Mm-hmm. But then here we have Courtney Cox as well in her first like dr- dramatic role, you know, and she it was something that she wanted very badly, coming off hot from friends and, you know, I think she had won a Grammy by that point too for being a comedic actress. But this uh-huh. was uh it kind of it kind of kept us in because we also had this huge star um at the time in this in this movie. Um and David Arquette was also fam- famous for a few reasons as well. Um but yeah it um It just got me hooked. She had to outdo
3: her fellow friend Jennifer Aniston from Leprechaun.
1: (laughs) 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 It all comes full circle. I sleep tonight.
3: (laughs) I like that. That is the first thing. Like your first two horror movies had two friends in them. It's like, were any of the other friends in? Were were, like Ballbearer,
0: the most horrific movie of all time. (laughs) Yeah, that's the Matt Reeves like first movie. Oh, is that that was Matt Reeves? Yeah. Yikes.
3: It's a good cast in this movie, though. I think, you know, even beyond Neve Campbell, who is great in this. I mean, I think maybe unfortunately got kind of pigeonholed in this role. Well,
0: she really serves my one of my parents just died. Get off my back. okay? like she serves that so well in the 90s in this movie and wild things. She can sell that like. Uh, something bad has happened to me, and I'm bitter against all you guys. It's the, I'm thinking more wild things in that case, but the craft, scream. of a witch. Oh yeah, yeah. Get off my back, okay? Yeah,
2: light <laughs> as a feather, stiff as a board. Something's
0: wrong. <laughs> oh
3: my gosh, I haven't thought about the craft in so long either. <laughs> was that before this or after
2: this? After. Yeah. yeah. I think Nev Campbell was introduced through Scream.
0: Okay. A well, party of five on television. Oh, but Scream's I, are like TV or movie debut. For sure.
3: sure. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and she she's definitely the perfect like conduit for the audience in this movie franchise because you she's not dumb. Like, as much as she gets caught in situations like, Oh, I did not see that coming, she never like responds the same way that like other people in this franchise do, where they're like, I'm gonna try and climb through a doggy
2: door. It's like, what are you doing? Like you're not, <laughs> not <Yeah>. going to fit. <laughs> she is absolutely so intelligent, which is why it is so catastrophic. That she has sex with Billy. Yeah. <laughs> it, just, it is a point that I wanted to talk about because I remember thinking, oh, f- fuck, <laughs> <laughs> you did not just have sex with the killer, you know, <laughs> I, I it blows my mind and it it, it makes the movie that much more hard hitting because it's so awful. You question Billy's motives a little bit because she he killed the person that tore his family apart and then he doesn't stop. Yeah, You there's a little bit about that that's just so messed up. Mm-hmm. And uh that's why I I think that crazy motive, crazy actions that's just like wow. Whoa. Poor Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> Or just, like, the fact
0: that, you know, she had lost her mom recently and this guy just keeps coming up the window trying to have sex all the time. And I'm like, bro, you got to let things chill for a bit. Like, she's going through some shit. And he's like, I just was watching The Exorcist and uh, (laughs) coming through the window. It's like, can we move to an R-rated
3: relationship? (laughs) He's just the horniest, like, dude. Which, I mean, listen, as a a horny high school boy at one point in my life, I get it. But also, it's like, there's cap, you you know? I mean, it's Skeet Ulrich, who, I mean, I I say this with love, is dollar store Johnny Depp. Yeah. (laughs) No, but you know
0: what? Today, more bankable than Johnny Depp. Very
3: true. Very true. But it feels like they definitely went for him because of his resemblance to Johnny Depp, who also was in Nightmare on Elm Street. So it's like you automatically kind of associate, like, oh, he's the good guy boyfriend. Like, he's got her back, right? And Mm. I think for most of the movie, even up to the point that they're having sex, you're not really questioning whether or not. I mean, you're questioning, but you're not really like questioning at that point like anymore
2: because a murder happens while mm-hmm. he's under arrest. Yeah. While he's detained. So and the idea of having two
0: murderers is not a concept until after you've seen Scream. It's yeah. not.
3: You're, you're right. right. No. It probably, if it's not the first movie to have done this, that it was outwardly saying the one serial killer that you presume the whole time was multiple people, then it, it's the most popular version of it. <laughs> I mean, it, it was, and that, probably more mind-blowing than anything else. I, I mean, yes, the Drew Barrymore twist was huge, but when you find out, it's like him and Matthew
2: Lillard, you're like, holy shit. How did we not see this? Right. I wish that there was a little bit more of a motive for Stu. Yeah. Maybe something along the lines of him getting dumped by Casey Becker. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, his girlfriend in the film was kind of a jerk to him. But still, like, I there was just, but, I mean, I love it. I watch it at least once a year, you know, and I'll go back to it continuously for sure.
0: Well, the reason I think they have that split, or at least they talked about, I listened to some of the commentaries this week, is they talked about what's scarier, having a motive or not having a motive. Mm. And by having both characters, one with a strong motive, one with the not at all, they're kind of having the cake and eating it, too, of having both scary things, whatever you find scariest, you can kind of latch on to. Right.
2: Matthew Lillard was brilliant. I mean, he was so stupid and you can see throughout when you watch it after knowing that he is one of the killers yeah. when you watch it again you see how much he's enjoying his character is enjoying like messing with people and calling people uh suspects and uh, especially poor randy yeah. <laughs> now
3: even more terrifying the second time around when they have randy cornered in that video store Holy shit, that's more tense. Yeah,
0: yeah. And they kind of, they redo the imagery of Skeet behind Matthew Lillard, kind of wrapping his arms around him in the exact same way at the end, where they're both kind of bloody and, like, on each other like that. Yeah. Yeah and I was also going to say with rewatch about how Matthew Lillard is kind of an idiot the whole time. One of the best parts that plays after watching it a few times is when they're all sitting together in the quad or whatever, and they're just talking about everything. And Matthew Lillard just goes, I didn't kill anybody, man. And ski Ulrich looks at him with this look and says, no one said you did like mm-hmm. in that yes. way. And like, I think that's like, give Skeet, like, some sort of award, because that look was, like, acting in the bag. Like, that was just a great, like... You know, subtle, but like if you know what's going on, it's perfect.
3: Yeah. Now I don't mean to jump ahead, though, too, but I know in Scream Two they did not give any of the cast members the final ends of the scripts because they wanted to keep it secret who the killer was. Mm -hmm. But they didn't do the same thing with one, right? They they both knew that they were going to be the killers.
0: I think so because with Scream Two, what happened was they filmed that whole opening scene in the movie theater, and the internet was much more a thing then. So all of that was posted on the internet and they kind of learned their lessons with Scream because Scream while being filmed was getting spoiled. So they did have to start keeping things under wraps more and more with future films. Oh,
2: okay. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Cause I mean,
3: it's definitely something that I feel like is more noticeable in two, in that exact moment. And sort of the things we're talking about here, it feels like Matthew Lillard and Skeet Ulrich both know like throughout the movie that they are the killer. And it's like, I'm gonna still play this though, so like somebody who knows I've got my toe in something bad, but still kind of be like, you wouldn't suspect mm-hmm. me. What did I why why me? <laughs> Whereas like I feel like in in the sequel, when you have like Timothy Oliphant, he looks like somebody who looks like, oh I'm a killer? Okay. <laughs> we
1: remember this now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it definitely feels it's tighter and more plain in the first one. And in the sequels, they're just like, yeah, it's the other killer at that point. What do you want from me? You know?
2: <laughs> yeah. I really enjoyed the beginning of the second one because we get to see. Can we get into it? Sure. Okay, in I just it.
0: want to say Scream 1 uh, MVP. Uh I can't think of this. Oh, Henry Winkler. Oh, apparently <laughs> So good. The apparently, he wanted, he said that he'd be in the movie, but he originally didn't want to get credit because he didn't want to outshine the young celebrities. Oh, my, <laughs> God. <laughs> oh my God. Everyone's God. like, oh, buddy, that's really nice, but hey, I don't hey, think hey. you have to worry about it. We've got hot people on the front of this movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one's going to be like, Henry Winkler's in this? Yeah.
3: <laughs> but you're happy when he's in <laughs> it. Hell yeah. yeah. Especially now after watching Barry and you see what he's capable of. And you're like, whoa, okay. Like he's got a dark side to him.
2: It's great. I wish we could do more roles like that. Remember when he like puts on the mask? I'm uh-huh. like, <laughs> I love that moment. Yeah. Because then he dies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, go ahead. That's jarring though, seeing the Fonz die
0: though too. You're <laughs> like, it's Fonzy. He's dead. Well, for me, I never watched Happy Days. It was always it's the weird coach from Waterboy. <laughs> Which is another great
2: oh, yeah. performance. Oh my god! Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> but and then I will say, just so we can inject it through the other movies, that we also have the first use of uh, "Red Right Hand" by Nick Cave, which is a song they use more and more. Oh other yeah, movies, yeah. I really like that jam. It's a tasty lick. It is a
3: good. It is a good song. You know what? I, mean, I feel like maybe we should we should drop that. We we don't do that yeah, enough. I drop it in. I feel like. Uh, uh, in the cage? Nick Cage, Nick Cave. Oh, the <laughs> cave.
1: oh <laughs> red right hand, red right
2: hand. No. <laughs> Scream of the champ franchise. <laughs> Scream! All
3: right, here, here's a red right
2: hand. Where secrets lie in the border, fires in the humming wise. Amen. Yeah, you know, we are never coming back across the square the bridge, past the mills, past the stacks. On together in storm comes a tall handsome man in a dusty black colt with a red right hand. Tell me right now if that doesn't sound like true blood. It's, like, it's so it's... innovative. The mm-hmm. bass line, the the little bell, the you know, it yeah. really is haunting. When you came in <laughs> air without yes, yeah, gonna have
1: to
0: have Robbie back for the True Blood cast, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a show I watched most of. <laughs> Same, oh, God, I wanted that to be so good
1: for so long, <laughs> but.
3: Yeah, I mean, oh man, that that tune really does set such a mood. To whenever the needle drop comes in, and you feel like every like everything's starting to move, and you're like, "Ooh, now it's really getting scary in this thing." I think the other thing I did want to make a mention for, in one, Jamie Kennedy is great because mm-hmm. we talked about him briefly, but man, even when I mean, one, him calling out the rules of a horror movie on the couch, yeah. Yeah, it's all good. That's great. But my favorite thing with him, though, too, is when he's alone on the couch and he's watching Halloween. <laughs> and he keeps saying, Jamie, turn around. And it's just like. <laughs> and his name's Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, could you hit this anymore on the head? <laughs> it, mm-hmm. It's so good. And, I mean, they have a great callback later on in the franchise. But, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll get to that. But it's just a moment that. It's so
4: good.
0: Yep, and layering in that Halloween score in the end, like scenes of yes. one
2: with the score of Scream together is amazing. <laughs> I want to make a comment too about the the combination, the the diversity of how people died. Mm-hmm. You know, was very good. The garage door, the um, the guy coming down the top of the band mm-hmm. You know, with the blood, mm-hmm. it was just cinematically wonderful for all of those reasons. Um, now. The diversity of deaths, yes. Diversity of casts, non-existent. Yeah. And they came in hard with two.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. You it know? feels and like there's such a commentary <laughs> about it too. Yeah. You yeah. know,
2: uh, it's uh fascinating. But the the knife through the stall do- stall door, I was like, am I scared? No, <laughs> but I am bothered. Yeah. You know, what bothered me more was the next death. In this loud screaming movie theater, which we've all been in before, yeah. Um, while also making commentary about um, making fun of itself, yeah. The movie was just we saw these people watching this movie that we fell in love with mm-hmm. and reacting horribly to it, and, and that it calls it makes fun of its audience in a way that's like, why are you enjoying this? Mm-hmm. And uh, I liked that, yeah, because yes. they know what they're doing by
0: like. Yeah, they just know what they're doing by having that happen at the same time. Like it's great. Yeah, I just
2: wanted to wonder were were there people taking notes uh, when the mo- on opening weekend and how audiences were reacting because there was there were things said that the characters were saying during the movie like run bitch you know or <laughs> I would have left and also like Star sixty nine yeah. him and <laughs> up in Star sixty nine his ass.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean, you can't not be aware of some of that, right? Even yeah. if you're just watching with, like, family members, they're like, how come they don't just star 69 them? Like, why do not they do that? Like, mm-hmm. it, I, I think it's so brilliant, and I think 2, I,
0: it's not as good as 1 to me, but, man, is it underrated, I feel like. Yeah, I think 2 has such Scream vibes in it, whether the story, like, holds up to 1. I think it feels so much like a Scream movie, and the yeah. fact that it takes place on a college campus gives it even more of that you know that feel that time i just it's love really it it could
2: happen to me yes yeah <laughs>
3: yes oh my gosh but i think it really where it got stronger and i think i wasn't able to appreciate the time because i went like 15 20 years without seeing the sequel again and I was like, man, but all the movies that came after it, all the horror movie sequels that I had seen since then, I was like, this thing nailed it. Like, it nailed it from the movies that came before it, and it nailed it for everything that came after it. And it's like, it's brilliant. And I love the film club scene where they're all, like, talking about it. And you've got, like, every, yeah. like... In the bathroom? Ma- every, yeah, like, yeah. WB. Joshua Jackson. Yeah. Oh. Dawson's <laughs> <Jackson's> Creek. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, you got, like, Joshua Jackson. You got Sarah Michelle Geller, you got um. Uh, Timothy Oliphant then and like one of his like first big ones. It's big gotta roles? be
0: because I remember him like I forgot he was in Scream 2. I remember seeing Girl Next Door thinking that was like, oh, this is a new guy. But no, that's like almost 10 years later, I think. Yeah,
3: it's sometime after it's at least a few years for sure. But I thought so, too. I did totally forgot he was in the movie and I'm mm-hmm. like, Oliphant. And then to realize at the end, oh, it's him. <laughs> but it's almost like it's tough, too, because you watch it, and you know Oliphant is just somebody who can mm-hmm. really bring the heat when he needs to, especially in a movie like Girl Next Door, where he's mm.
2: menacing. I think even more menacing than he is in this one, ultimately. He's extremely frightening. Uh, I, But the scariest moment for me yeah. is by far... Having to crawl over Ghost in the cop car. Yes. Oh. I vividly remember shaking in my seat because they go through this crash. They're in the their uh Sydney and her roommate are in the back of this car and they're the only way out is by crawling through the through into the front seat and then crawling over ghost face who has passed out because of the crash. That was the most petrifying thing I'd seen since Leprechaun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes
2: back. I know. Oh,
3: God. Awful. And it's just like the minute she had to go back, you're like, this is it. We're <laughs> <laughs> done. Uh, just to give some little uh, background about, too. So this released almost a year after the first one, which tells you how quick the, they knew. They knew yeah. the reception was going to be great. I mean, we talked about it. that It was it made a lot of money. And 2 got into production quickly and was out December 12th, 1997. December 20th for the, the year before. Also written by Kevin Williamson again and directed by Wes Craven. So they brought back the dream team here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like Scream, the film features characters who are aware of the horror genre and the conventions of a horror sequel and mocking them. And I think to your point though, Robbie, it is very big commentary about the audience of like horror movies and scream in general. And that that opening scene, I mean, it aged very well because I think one scene, you have a couple of kind of prominent black actors too getting murdered like immediately. It's like okay. <laughs> but even more than that, man, it really gets into like film nerdum, and it's kind of a great a uh, setup piece for movies on the line that are very much like, I want to make the best Stab movie or Scream movie. Uh, we get the introduction of Stab in this movie, which is the movie within the movie that is based on the events of the first one, and then every ensuing sequel that comes after it, all the way up to Stab 8, which is just... <laughs> <laughs> They're catching up.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> but as as Fred mentioned, too, so after that first part of the script leaked, they actually wrote a dummy script for Scream 2 and leaked that just to uh, they leaked a couple different versions of it to throw off fans that were trying to steal the script and so uh, they've held back though the last part of the script and the, in the fake script the ending was that Dewey was the killer which it's like,
2: oh okay mm-hmm. he's not smart enough for that <laughs>
0: I'm sorry, Sid. I just I, I don't know. I had to kill people. Just, it's just... Is that okay? <laughs> After me, I dump me. I just couldn't take <laughs> it. So,
3: yeah, because uh, Kevin Williamson actually got... Interviewed recently and confirmed that that was the case. So they leaked a fake ending just so they could start finding some of the sources too for who was
4: <laughs> leaking the
0: script. I want to see the spotlight movie version of that. Yeah, right? like <laughs> setting up the leak scripts, trying to catch people. It's very Empire Strikes Back of like, <laughs> them. like
3: oh, we're gonna have out that Obi Wan is uh, killed Luke's dad, and it's like. <laughs> I
0: also love in the stab movies. I think Luke Wilson is playing the ski
2: Ulrich. It's so the- good. <laughs> yes. Oh, good. I completely forgot. But I watched it and I was like, oh, my God. And Tori Spelling <laughs> yeah. as as Sydney, Which Something they paid like. off a joke
3: from the original, too. They're yep. like, oh, I'll probably be paid by, like, Tori Spelling or somebody. <laughs> and it's yep. like, sure, shit. Uh, I mean, this one, like the first one, was a financial success. Uh Similar critical praise. Everybody was very happy with how it came together. And, I mean... It it definitely hit like all the vibes I think everybody was looking for in a sequel. I mean, like I said, from a quality standpoint, I would probably still say one is a little bit better, but honestly, I think two really surprised me with how much better it was. Everything I thought I remembered about Three was actually into. <laughs> and I was like, oh
2: god, that's probably not a good sign. <laughs> yeah. The only thing that did not improve was Courtney Cox's hair. Uh, the red streaks. Uh, I was just like, come yeah, on. Like, I think it gets worse
0: in the next one.
2: It does. So <laughs> yeah. much. Worse. But it wasn't great in the first, actually. <laughs> yeah.
4: I mean, now that
0: I think about um, it, yeah. Yeah. Because I think she and I think she's talked about it. How like the thing with Gail is like she is. Upskill, but she's also got tacky style. And it's kind of like this mix of that. And I think, yeah, she knows what she's doing with those haircuts. Yeah. Things. I do want to talk a little
3: bit about Gail in in this too. Not because it's not a big criticism of the character, but it's more just a criticism of like her her thoughts on her role in this story. And I feel like it's something they've kind of uncovered a little bit, but she's very much somebody who's like She, like, outright says in
2: 4 or something like that. Literally wrote the book on this. Yeah, I
3: literally wrote the book. I cracked the case. It's like, did you crack the (laughs) case, though, or did you just have things happen to you? (laughs) Like, like, nobody has solved who the killer was until the killer willingly
2: reveals themselves. Yeah, you thought it was Cotton when he walked up to that (laughs) payphone.
1: Yeah.
3: And Mm -hmm. (laughs) he met face-to-face with the killer. I, I know. Cotton, the guy that she worked so hard to exonerate from the first one. But it was great seeing Leif Schreiber
2: in the sequel. I know, too. I love him. Uh,
0: I love I love him. Uh, they kept talking about him on the commentaries and something that blew my mind. Uh, he is a big Dustin Hoffman guy, which I'm like, oh, that's why you sound like that. Yeah. He, he does he sound, sound like he, Dustin Hoffman. sounds like Dustin Hoffman a little bit. Oh, he really does.
1: <laughs>
0: now that you say
3: it, you do hear it. <laughs> yeah. So the movie was set, in 1998, and again focuses on Sydney. It's now she's a college student, and there at her college campus, a series of copycat crimes begin based on the Woodsboro murders from the previous movie, um, with the killer targeting people who have the same name as the murder victims from the previous movie. So that was supposed to be the connection as to why the two seemingly random students were killed in the opening at the theater. It's because they had, like, I think one of them had the name Casey or Becker or something like that. And mm-hmm. um, I can't remember what the other one was named, but.
2: Um, Steve. Steve, that's right. I think Stevens, Yep. Yeah. And that was Casey's boyfriend, right? Yeah, he's
0: right. big and he plays football and he's going to kick your ass. Yeah.
2: Oh, <laughs> <That's> Right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <That's>
1: right.
3: <laughs> um, and two, I mean, it, like, we mentioned a little bit of the cast before, too, but it brings back uh, Neff Campbell. We get back Courtney Cox, David Arquette. And then we have uh, Lori Metcalf, who we we're talking about before we started podcasting. As Cannot say enough about her. <laughs> she's like the low key MVP of this. Definitely, her
2: eyeballs alone are frightening. Yeah,
3: yeah she's got that constant like, yeah. <laughs> like she walked in and found somebody like
2: naked. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Roseanne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: It's fun seeing her, though, play opposite of Gail or, or Courtney Cox, where she's supposed to be kind of be like, oh, now I'm the reporter on the uptake and just like does such a fun impression of her knowing that she's totally full of shit and she's just doing this to fuck with her. <laughs> and oh man, it's it's a great, great scene.
2: Am I missing anybody in the cast? Um, yeah. Um, Ellen DeGeneres' wife. Yep. Portia de Rossi is in there. She is. She has one of the funniest lines, I think, in the movie where she goes, Hi, and I really mean that. (laughs) Hi. And you think, based on the events of the first movie, that these two sorority girls are definitely going to get it. You know, you, you think because of horror and the genre that these two girls are definitely going to get murdered. Absolutely. And it was kind of a relief that they didn't, you know. Right? A lot of the men got it, mm-hmm. you know, and I was happy to see that.
3: Yeah. I was trying to think who the other actress was, or who the other sorority sister was. It's like always with Fortune. It looks else. like Denise Richards, but it's not. It's... It- yeah. Go ahead, and I don't know. <laughs> no, the name of the actress is Rebecca Gayhart. Yep. And the reason I recognized her... are my was, drag name, too, by the way. Rebecca yeah. <laughs> It's
0: a great <laughs> name, actually. No.
3: But um, she was the killer in Urban Legend, <gasps> if you seen that.
0: And I was going to bring that up later, because I think that movie kind of rules. That Urban does Legend. rule. She wears the hood right yeah, yeah. with the, the fuzzy yeah mm-hmm. she started that trend it's got joshua jackson in it too yeah um, mm-hmm. yeah okay i did forget some some very key
3: members of the cast mm-hmm. though too uh jerry o'connell yeah. who shows up as the boyfriend
0: i think i love you oh. that what life is may have... <laughs> speaking of top gun yeah so <laughs> oh. oh, good they they had to. They said that was the hardest scene to edit because he sang it in different key every single
2: time. He was a horrible singer. <laughs> it was so bad. But I did love it when he came down shirtless on the cross. Oh, yeah. was oh nice. man! I mm-hmm. I was brought it back to my Catholic upbringing. At that point. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: really? that uh, music during that whole thing was done by Danny Elfman. Oh, what?
3: great! Yeah. I didn't
2: know that. Mm-hmm. Wow, did not know that either. I did love that Sydney was going to school for theater. Yeah. I thought that was wonderful. And, uh, I got a huge laugh again when uh, we find out who the killers are and Sydney is trying to scare Laurie Metcalf by shaking the the, the <laughs> storm. The storm. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to stop her. It's like, just run. <laughs> there are fire exits in the theater. Oh.
3: Mm-hmm. And it's so funny that they put her in a play where they have masked
2: people all around her with knives. It's like, are we thinking with our heads here? Now, realistically speaking, what human could go through that again after the Trauma they've been through, yeah. At what point don't you just go become a philosophy major instead? You know what I mean? <laughs> when you're in that sort of like re envisioned, well, I get it, it's for the film, yeah, but yeah, even still, it's right. Like they th- have glow stick knives with these masks, and it's just like, <laughs> I, I see what you're doing, <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> um. But, yeah, other notable people in the cast, though, besides uh, some of those people were... We had Elise Neal, who is uh, also in Hustle and Flow, if you guys have seen that one. Uh-huh. That's a good movie. Uh, she plays Sydney's best friend, Hallie. Or Haley? Haley? I Haley, can't remember her yeah. yeah, okay, you watched her recently. Um, Jada Pinkett Smith is in the beginning, and so is Omar mm-hmm. So which... Yeah.
0: I was trying to determine, were they big at that time? Uh, Pretty big. Jada I mean, was. Yeah, Jada was, for sure. I'm trying to think... Uh, Omar Epps, because he's in Juice, I believe. He's either in Juice or New Jack C. The two movies, I get confused. But uh, he was big in that. And then Jada was in like a bunch of different stuff before then. I want—I think she was in Malcolm X before that. Yeah.
3: Isn't she in that? I think you might be right. Yeah, because I know it was like right before Omar Epps. When he get
2: was doing... my wife's name. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: It would have uh, been cool if it was Jada Pinkett-Smith and Will Smith,
2: Will Smith yeah. at the beginning. See, I love X, yeah. but that would have been crazy. Yeah, that would have been great. Yeah. You know, and I just, I miss the the star-studded names. Uh, those That was pretty good. It was definitely good in two. But, like, when you get into four, it's, like, Hayden... Panettiari, who was in Heroes. She wasn't a huge name, Mm. but we also had Kristen Bell, which is a good name, but it wasn't mind-blowing, you know. And Sookie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to (laughs) say, they picked up a lot of people from, like, network dramas again at that time.
3: And, like, the OC is big and poor as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jada, I did not see her in Malcolm X, but she was in a couple other big movies. She was in like a Tales from the Crypt movie. But oh
0: yeah,
3: this was pre Omar Epps doing Love and Basketball and House. Obviously, a lot of people oh, love House. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes. yep. uh, the other person though I'll mention, uh, we do get some more movie within the movie, and we get uh, Heather Graham as Casey Becker. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yes, the- yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, which is another just. This just a stack cast. I feel really, like once they saw the first one was good, everybody's like, just give me... I just want a bit roll. Just a
0: bit <laughs> <laughs> Even if I'm only on for a minute, I'll do it. Yeah, which we see in, in the next one, in three for sure. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Should we
2: just skip three?
1: <laughs>
0: a lot of
2: people did. Uh, I think we do have to talk about three. Actually.
0: I don't think we'll talk long.
3: Yeah, so... Three came out in February 4th, 2000. So, this time it took about a couple of years before this movie came to fruition. Um, and like the previous entries, it was also written by Williamson, directed by Wes Craven. I keep repeating this because it does change. Some yeah. way. But um, they had, uh, or I guess Williamson was unable to formulate a complete script because he was committed to teaching Mrs. Tingle, if anybody's ever seen that. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so did you know mm. that that film name, the name of that film changed because it was originally called killing Mrs. Tingle, but Columbine had just happened. Oh, wow. If it wasn't Columbine, it was another recent shooting, but no, I think it was. And so that's why they had to change it to teaching. Yeah. Interesting.
3: I feel like I might've heard that a long time ago, but like, right. It's crazy to even think that's what, almost 25 years
0: old now. Yeah.
3: Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Right.
0: Isn't Um, that uh, Helen Mirren? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Pretty cool.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's it.
0: I don't have anything else to contribute. I don't, I'm like, I've I'm never like, seen it. I think I'd love it because it, it is has Joshua these vibes, Jackson in right?
2: that too, or am I thinking of somebody else? This conversation's already better than the whole season, uh, movie <laughs> or third movie of Scream. Scream three yeah. Yeah.
0: Teach, is teaching Mrs. Tingle
2: better than Scream three. <laughs>
0: I mean, yes. I, Okay, good. <laughs> <It> might be <laughs> some, go. I Might
2: watch that tonight. <laughs> there we go. Didn't that have, um, if not Joshua Jackson, didn't have Kate, um, Katie Holmes, wasn't it, or? Um, well, it's, I remember it's
0: two girls and a guy, talk, right? right?
2: It is okay. It's
3: here, it's because we're not going to be able to if move it's on. A on murder, so it's true. It <laughs> is Katie Holmes in it. It is Helen Mirren. It's uh, I have no idea what's Helen Mirren. Yeah, oh, Mirren's in that. Jeffrey Tambor apparently is in <laughs> oh, great. this. Um, but yeah, the other two like main characters are Barry Watson and Marissa Coughlin.
0: I thought there was like a, a, a young guy hottie in there too, like a Josh Ryan Hartnett Felipe
2: or, or yeah. yeah, I thought it, so just, too. it was Joshua Hartnett. Was, was it I know I it a fact. called him Josh he, yeah. I don't Still
3: do. Oppenheimer, he was looking good. Yeah. yeah. I don't see Hardin in this cast. Nah, All right, know. guys, we got to talk about three. Oh, <laughs>
1: fine, fine. So
3: because Williamson was finishing up that script, uh, he was replaced by a guy named Aaron Kruger, who finalized, I said that with a lot of stank on it,
1: <laughs>
3: finalized Kruger. the script. Yeah, Kruger. Mm, think Freddy that. Kruger. Yeah, maybe he he took a slash into this film.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: so he basically finished the script based on a lot of ideas that Williamson had come up with. Uh, Scream 3, obviously less successful than the previous two, two installments. Uh, people noticing that film had kind of become almost too much of a meta commentary, mm-hmm. maybe a little too parody-ish. Uh, the movie within the movie that we're following is kind of crazy because that's kind of the whole plot. It's set in 2000. And it focuses on Sydney, who is at the set of Stab, two, or is it three? It's Two or three? Yeah, and basically she is placed with this whole little retcon story about her mother is involved.
2: Was like an actress in Hollywood mm-hmm. and kind of cool. Yeah, kind of like you Old know scenes. Sydney. Sydney wants to be an actress. Like you know maybe it's in the blood in the DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and it's set up. The whole um, nostalgia of the the set design and, uh, but then it gets weird, you know the the half brother, the it just that's not enough of a motive, but he also wanted to make a ton of money, right? Yeah. And these deaths would have done that, so I I, I bought into it, but I didn't watch it again.
0: And the and the thing about the third one is it's kind of down arrival with a really bad opening scene. It's yeah. just a Schreiber just fighting L.A. traffic to get home to his, like, Trophy girlfriend since becoming famous, Christine, named after Christine the John Carpenter movie. But right. uh, that's the opening. I'm like mm, I'm getting off the 494. I'm, I'll be there soon. <laughs> I don't even remember. It's yeah. bad.
3: He's got like his own like talk show. He got like a Fox News talk 100% show. Hundred oh, <laughs> percent. yeah.
0: Which is a, that is good. <laughs> yeah. I will say that should have just been the whole movie.
3: It's oh, <laughs> yeah, man. There are some bits of this movie that are okay, but overall. All, it's not a good movie
0: like yeah like the Parker Posey and Patrick Warburton combo is pretty great yeah but I mean, the cast in this movie is maybe the best
3: part of it we had I mean the, we just mentioned there Patrick Warburton, Parker Posey uh, Leif Schreiber's back for a minute <laughs> Patrick Dempsey a young Patrick yeah, Dempsey yeah. is the detective in this he's Emily Mortimer one. yep she's like plays Sydney in the movies uh, you have Jenny McCarthy who <laughs> fortunately dies early <laughs> Um, and then, uh, we have, I
2: think a guy who got stuck with kind of a crap role, Scott Foley, who ends yeah. up being the killer, the only, wait a minute, killer. wait a minute, you, when you said the actress that played Sydney, I think I remember this, wasn't there a commentary about her sleeping yes. with somebody for the role? Yep. And wasn't this produced by Weinstein? Yes. Yep. Whoa. Yeah.
0: Weinstein's got his gross fingers all over this, uh, so series,
1: sadly. That's
2: just
0: crazy well and you also think the person who spoke out against him rose mcgowan screamed. Right. yeah so that's why this movie has a lot of bad dna I wonder why maybe she
3: was talking to some people behind the scenes like maybe you could sneak this into a script give old harvey a little setup yeah. right there uh Dion richmond is also in this he's one of the prominent uh, characters not really uh he gets like a front poster look, but he does not get the role that really supports him.
0: I remember him less than the some of the characters in two that are less peripheral. <laughs> I know.
3: I know. It's it's really it's the again the the franchise not serving people of color very well.
2: It feels yeah. very two thousands T V cocainey to me. The third yeah. one. the chase scenes throughout the the house were kind of cool. Yep. Um I remember thinking they made sense. Um and I, I, it, it was slightly thrilling, but it wasn't enough for, for me to think that it deserved to be a screen movie. Yeah. And
0: I mean, it's just. But Jane Silent Bob are in it. Yeah.
3: Fun cameo there. <laughs> but ultimately, more fun than Jane Silent Bob. We did get Lance Henriksen. <gasps> yes. as The director of the movie or the producer? He's right he the producer? Foley was the director. Oh yeah. But yeah, so you have Bishop from Aliens as the the producer, which is a very interesting to see him do something different that's not like
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm here to help you, Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> or,
3: or Ripley. Mm-hmm. Um and then the other really random cameo in this is Carrie Fisher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like just hanging out in the back of the room. Mm-hmm. And, like she was like I think she was like, yeah. She's like, I was up for Princess Leia. And I didn't get it. <laughs>
4: <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's
3: it, funny. Uh, we got a terrible, uh weird interlude with Jamie Kennedy having filmed <laughs> like more rules for like three and he has a, her his sister we didn't know
2: about who comes and drops off the video. Who comes back. Oh and yeah. Geez, yeah. Louise. It's so corny. Heather Matarazzo. Yeah. So much going on. They really wanted
3: two more movies. It's so corny. It's like, he's like saying, like, I slept with so-and-so and, And like, you have, like, David Arquette responding. He's like, so-and-so? He's like, yeah, so-and-so? Shut up. And it's like, the the videotapes, they're having a conversation. I'm like, this is so stupid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which, Jamie Kennedy, unfortunately, I think died, because everybody, all the nerds kind of like saw themselves in him and two yeah. and they're like, The <laughs> nerd didn't get Cindy. It's like, come on, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> he never does. Kennedy is great in the series, but it's like <laughs> his amount of time on screen is the perfect amount. If yeah. he got too much by three, I'd be like, when is Randy gonna die here?
2: Like, the casting of his sister is so good. I know we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. In the in the future films. But yeah. Yeah. Three was three. Three was three. That's a great way to put it. Three
3: was three. Yeah. Really, like you, you mentioned, just a bad twist. Like it's just the jar jar banks of these stories. It is. I mean,. I just want to talk about it very briefly. The fact that like we're supposed to understand that he was a love child of Sydney's mother from her days in Hollywood. He was the one who went and kind of like put Billy and Stu onto like, oh, you should like go after this woman. Oh man. They, they like I kinda of taught him how to kill. And it's like there's a reason nobody pretends that happened. <laughs> like, right. like, yeah. like, no, no, no. Billy and Stu acting on
0: their own or how it really did is garbage. Yep, yeah, I don't buy it. Yeah. Don't
2: believe that person has killed a person too. Mm-hmm. Right? There's that. Just <laughs> not, you're just you're too much Freddie Prince Jr. You're yeah. too <laughs> just yeah yeah.
3: It's rough. So moving on to four. <laughs> I
2: mean, can we agree is three the worst of the franchise? Yes. Yes, yeah. and four is not far behind. Yeah, I
0: don't like. I'm glad we're. I'm in a room with people who don't like four because a lot
2: of people like four. Let me just say it because we're all maybe thinking it. The problem with four is that we have these six foot three masked killers that become five foot eleven at best once they're <laughs> unmasked. Yeah, I just hate it and it, there are these looming figures that all of a sudden are these losers yeah these twerps that you've <laughs> just this we have um we have this uh oh what's her name Emma it's perfect uh, what's the lead? Anna Kendrick. Oh, we what? have this Anna Kendrick wannabe. <laughs> and we have this. This must be nephew of some rich guy with long hair. I don't know. What's oh, he's this
0: the um Culkin.
2: He's the Just, third Culkin brother. He's oh, the, that's, he's again, see, the, that's third. the
0: problem. Wrong Culkin he's, yeah. three is what he is. <laughs> <laughs> we needed a Kieran Culkin.
3: Maybe yes. if we had Kieran Culkin in this, I feel like it would be. <laughs> of course, he's famous.
2: Of course, he's a Culkin. <laughs> Jeez Louise. He's God, the kid was, from Signs. Yeah, and you know, Sydney's cousin. Okay, she wants attention. Boo who, Yeah, I don't know.
0: Well, that was my thing with four, is that actress uh Emma Roberts has wow. had a career of being the like nervy, mean friend and she, I've never are watching for, and Emma Roberts is like kind of supposed to be the Sydney new Sydney, and I'm like no, this girl's evil. <laughs> it's Yeah, so like yeah. I've yeah. seen enough seasons of American uh, Horror Story at this point to know I don't like this person.
3: Yeah. And there's enough stories from American Horror <laughs> Story set to prove that she is a
2: mean girl. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. I, say, I like that we they saw their friend getting murdered from across through the window and couldn't do like that was mm-hmm. that is always frightening for me when you see something that you can't control. Yes. we see it actually a lot in each of them. Screen you know, two we, has see, a good one. we yeah. see. Yeah, Courtney sees David Arquette. Um, like it's down it, yeah. the window, yeah, which is a great death scene. I the mean, the problem with that scene boy, though is like, I mean, it's like screaming, and there's no way she can get hurt, right? Mm-hmm. You know, do we ever see Nev Campbell scream? Mm. I think in the first one, maybe, but never when, like
0: really just belts a scream though. No,
2: I don't think so. It's always like, do we, yeah. or yeah, she yeah. exclaims, yeah. <laughs> She's like, get out of here! Yeah, mm-hmm. we see Courtney scream a lot. Yes, yeah. she can scream. But I did like Hayden Pantieri, the hero, mm-hmm. the cheerleader of the movie. <laughs> yeah, she she is the strongest actor in the film. Yep, for sure. Dewey Do gets dopey we're introduced to the deputy sheriff with the crazy eyes she's the red herring is that the word yeah mm-hmm. she's the red herring kind of because she remembers Sydney from high school so we automatically think that it's gonna be her yeah um she is frightening looking she makes bad lemon bars <laughs> she I remember the weirdest things she um you know she has a crush on Dewey there's a motive there but even the the script is bad mm. the script is just. So inconsiderate, and you 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 see Courtney hating the lines. Yeah, you can see Nav Campbell that they don't like Nav Campbell. You see you see Sydney now, a, a, an author. Mm-hmm. She's doing press conferences. That's not the Sydney we know. Right. You know Sydney wouldn't do that. Sydney would. Helping people with trauma. Yes, see that's uh, she's a social worker. She's somebody who's yeah. It's not that was one of the best parts of three.
3: I was like, this is exactly what this character would be doing at this stage. She's like, I'm going to help people who can't help themselves because they're in bad situations. Like, but then all of a sudden it's like, well, actually, I'm going to take the narrative. I'm going to write my story. I'm like, Oh right, "Mm because in three she was answering hotline like in the mountains. Yeah. Yes which was like a great space. It almost would have been made more sense in three to have left her there and been like, No, Sydney's off the map. She's not letting anybody come after because every time she comes into the story, somebody wants to kill her.
2: (laughs) And maybe she'll come back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. yeah,
0: four feels dated because like also, I mean, I love Kevin Williamson stuff in the 2000s at the time of Scream, even his bad movies like Curse. I'm pretty sure he wrote Urban Legend. So like I love this stuff. Uh But later he kind of did a lot of TV, like the show The Killing, and I think the Scream Four script feels so dated. Yeah. And sadly, that could be because it's the old team coming back. You know, Wes Craven's a lot older, and he hasn't made movies in a while. And so it has a lot of those issues. I think it feels like a Scream movie. It just
2: feels like a bad Scream movie. Yeah, I just remember thinking after the horrific and after after three. And then toward the end of four, I was just like, they can all die. Yeah. I have lost interest. Dewey isn't even charming anymore. And um I'm not rooting for Sydney. She's she's become she's become Gail Weathers, you know? Mm-hmm. It just felt I felt so disconnected.
3: Yeah. It really would just felt untrue to some of the characters and it was right at the height of like when remakes were really starting to get good Mm -hmm. and it felt like they were trying to make commentary about remakes. But I think even then it kind of failed, but I will say, and we'll put a pin in it for later. I think this movie walked, so five could run. Definitely. And oh I, yeah, I can't wait to talk a little bit about five. I'll
0: just say, final thing with four why it's not good. Is the characters aren't likable, which we've kind of said, but I think for the fine point, like I don't like any of the new characters, no. and that. not even
2: Alison Brie. Who I love. No, right. Well, well, yeah. What I what I kind of up for four. Would have been learning more about Sydney's mom through her sister. Yeah. I think that, that you know, all we, we, we kind of hear a little bit at the you know, about her scars about losing her sister through that. But I think that we we could have learned so much more about Maureen Prescott. And yes. that because we care because Sydney cares so much about her mom and that traumatic loss and her dad, who we don't see again <laughs> since one, right?
0: He goes on a lot of business trips, Yeah, which yeah. is the one joke and scary movie that they do really well. is like her dad's just like a drug dealer. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. It's super blatant. He yeah.
3: shows up for a hot minute in three. And then that's okay. the last we see of him. He that's brings cool. her some groceries or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just to put a, a pin in that too, Kevin Williamson did not write Urban Legend, but he did write I Know What You Did Last Summer. Oh, that was and I still the know. faculty.
2: Oh, the faculty rules. Yeah, that was Josh Hartman. Yeah, yeah
3: it was, yeah. and okay. he was a writer on Dawson's Creek, so he really was capturing all those
0: put the the hot kids <laughs> front and center on the poster stuff, <laughs> which I think is the secret juice to a scream movie. They think it's the horror. They think it's like the meta ness. I think it's that injection of that Dawson's Creaky melodramaticness that people like loved at the time.
2: Yeah. Speaking of hot kids. There is a moment in 4 where the cop is like uh, talking about the girl that's just about to get murdered this high school girl that's like uh oh she's going back home she must live next door he she can live next door to me anytime and it's like you're gross what the I fuck i you die it was Anthony Anderson or Adrian Brody who said it? <laughs> I
1: don't remember.
3: But yeah. Geez. Oh, no, it's uh Adam Brody in this Oh, Adam Brody. That's yeah,
0: Adrian yeah. Brody
3: would have been Adrian saying. Brody would also have been on point, though. Um, just a little backstory or development, because I think this kind of even goes into why Scream 4 turned out the way it did. It was not a movie that got off the ground very soon. I think it got punted down the line when three really didn't hit. And so it was like July 2008... They had announced they started developing Scream 4, uh, once again, bringing back Williamson and Craven, but it wasn't released until April 15th, 2011. Part of the reason was they had disagreements with a producer, uh, Kathy Conrad, who was like on the first three Scream f- uh, films, uh, was cut out and sued the Weinstein company for $3 million, allegedly that they violated an agreement with her company, which is called Cat Entertainment, that had the rights to produce all the Scream films. So right out the gate, we're we're already in, like, logistics and court dramas
1: <laughs> with <laughs> behind
3: the scenes. Um, and then they finally had settled out of court in 2011. But, uh, I mean, it took a while to even get Wes Craven to get convinced to come back. Because he was like, I'll do it if there's a good enough script. But I want Williamson to write the script. And he was like, well, I'm busy. I got Dawson's going <laughs> No, I think it was
0: done by that point. But he's got the killing or the following. Yeah. The Kevin Bacon show. <laughs> I did watch that. That was
1: <laughs>
0: a little disappointing ending there, too.
3: But yeah, um, the movie takes place 10 years after three. Uh, Sydney comes back. She's a writer, comes back home. And on a back last stop of her book tour, she encounters another set of murder shocking that back in Woodsboro, somebody wants to kill Sydney. And we have, as we mentioned, her cousin played by Emma Roberts. We have Film Geek uh, played by uh, Rory Culkin. I almost said Kieran, who again would have been a major step up for this. Yeah.
2: I uh, guess he wasn't available.
3: No. He <laughs> probably read the script and was like, uh, I got better. <laughs> I got succession in like 10 years, you guys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he, he had done Scott Pilgrim at this point, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So. I think he...
3: Or it was like in production, probably. <laughs> that might have been the reason he turned it down. They're like, let's get another Culkin. Macaulay's not doing movies anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, we mentioned Hayden Panettieri's in this. We have Allison Breeze in a bit part. We have... Um, her name is Mariel Jaff. We have Mary Shel- Marley Shelton, who has got the crazy eyes that you <laughs> mentioned, as the deputy. We have the other uh, film geek. Uh, what's his name?
0: Oh. Oh, the Frankie Munez looking kid. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I just don't know his name. I know. I'm trying to find him on the list, but.
3: Uh, we also had the the boyfriend Trevor. The, the ex boyfriend has the
2: video camera on his yeah. head. Yeah, yeah.
3: the ex boyfriend played by Nico Tortorella. <laughs> I thought I I recognized him from stuff, but I didn't. Um, he played Trevor, who was like uh, Emma Roberts' like character's ex boyfriend, and they're like. I read that they spent so much time trying to make him a red herring. They actually had to cut material oh, out because they were <laughs> like, it's gonna look way too much like he should have been the killer. Yeah, he
0: feels like he's just there to be a suspect in the movie. Yeah,
2: uh, really I would have is. preferred him to be the killer. Actually, mm-hmm. I was. The yeah.
0: other,
3: the other film geek was uh, Eric Knudsen is the actor name who is also in Scott Pilgrim. <laughs>
0: Oh, he's the the little people guy, right? No, he's like
3: crashing the boys. They have like the three second song. Yeah. I thought that was Frankie Muniz. Oh, yeah. No, but he looks like Frankie Muniz for (laughs) sure. I thought that
0: was like, actually, I thought that was a cameo Frankie Muniz in Scott Pilgrim for all time.
3: (laughs) But we do have, uh, yeah, Sydney's aunt played by Mary McDonald, who is a a actress that has come up now multiple times on this podcast um, due to... (laughs) Uh, we covered Battlestar Galactica, and I remember we. She came up the other day, like something else we were talking about.
0: Mary McDonald.
3: Oh, she. Like- She's the president on Battlestar. Oh, man, I know. If I looked it up
0: now, I'm like, I'll probably find it. She like the mom and Donnie Darko, I think. She maybe. is. You're yep. right. There we go. Then I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I know She's- Your son just called me a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you're not a bitch. Your bitch. <laughs> I've seen that movie too many times, and it's not good.
1: <laughs> one day
0: we'll talk
3: about that. Yeah, I don't know. And then, yeah, the the bit canvas, the, the beginning did not age well at all. No. Because, like, Kristen Bell is probably the one that is like, oh, sure, right, there she is. Right. But then it's all just a bit to, like, play off of oh, there's been stab movies since the, the last one, and these, they're all just going off nothing.
2: Yeah, and the I think the they they knew that we enjoyed them making fun of themselves, but they did it too far. They did it they did it to the point where we felt made fun of. You know, like, it, after the second attempt, uh, we see, you know, the, the Kristen Bell one. It was like, I don't even want to watch this. I was like, <laughs> I don't know if this is going to be another end of a stab. Like, I just, like, you know... Um, I it, it, I just felt used, you yeah. know, a little bit, and I was yeah. already out, you know. Um, and after the failure of three, you would think that they would try to entice us back in, but they know that I'm going to be in that line to see that movie regardless. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I did see Scream Four in theaters. I'm pretty
3: sure,
1: mm-hmm.
3: uh, but I just remember coming out being like, eh, yeah, yeah. it's not as bad as three. It's just not anywhere near the good ones of the (laughs) series. Right. Should we talk about five,
0: though? Yeah, let's get into it. We have another big break, and then... Yeah. Billy! Billy. We get a little bit of Billy
3: back.
2: (laughs) Good game.
3: The the production on this is kind of crazy because originally, obviously, Wes Craven wanted to come back for five. Uh, So, in 2011, he confirmed that he was contracted to work on a fifth and sixth installment, um, and that if the fourth one was a success, that that would obviously go into production. When the fourth was not in, (laughs) not a success. Uh, Williamson also confirmed that he had contractual obligations for four and five, but uh, when that didn't happen and the fourth one didn't do well, basically, they just didn't renew them. So those guys were kind of left in limbo, wondering what the heck's going to go on. And in May 2011, we have our, our boy Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> yeah. uh, did not. Uh, he confirmed that a sequel was possible, but that uh, because Ford did not perform well, he was uh, just happy with the gross and kind of basically to make out with what they had gotten. But in February 2012, when he was asked about it, um, basically said, no, we're not doing a sequel. So, essentially, that left the movie in limbo all the way until Wes Anderson died in 2015. Wes
0: Anderson died? I'm sorry. Uh,
2: (laughs) (laughs) Wes Craven.
3: Wes Craven died in uh, 2015.
2: As long as Hans Christian Andersen still died. Okay.
3: (laughs) So, I think when Wes Craven passed away, everyone thought, that's it. There's no more. He is Scream. We're not going to do another one. Until 2019 rolls around Many years later, it was reported that Blumhouse was interested in reviving this series and that Jason Blum was working on making a Scream reboot. So in uh, November 2019, uh, they acquired the rights to Scream or Spyglass Media did, not, uh, not Blumhouse. And in March 2020, it was announced that Matt Bettinelli opened. Help me with that, Fred. If you
0: know. Oh, I don't know. I just know it's it's two guys, and they have like a special name for their writing group. Yeah,
3: and Tyler Gillette um, would direct the fifth installment, coming off of their recent movie, which was called Ready or Not. Have you guys seen that? No, I never saw Ready or Not. Very fun.
1: Oh.
3: And when I when I saw that, I'll say this: when I saw the Scream Five was going to be directed, I'm like, okay, maybe it's got a chance because Ready or Not is, I mean it's also kind of playing on like the haunted house trope a little bit, but it's all about like kind of like a spiritual, like game being played and all that. But basically the idea was, I, I felt like it was a very fresh take on a horror mm-hmm. movie. So they had had it. And then, um, Williamson, Kevin Williamson came back as a executive producer, but the movie was written by James Vanderbilt and Vanderbeek oh. <laughs> and Guy Busick. Um, And the movie takes place 25 years after the original Woodsboro murders, uh, once again returning to Woodsboro where another ghost face has appeared and has begun targeting a seemingly random group of teenagers who are somehow linked to the original killings, though. And that's where our scene is set when we find out that it is, uh, her name is Sam Carpenter, who (laughs) is, as Robbie teased, (laughs) the not illegitimate daughter... Or is she a legitimate? Because she was born out of woodlock.
2: So Sam is, well, and oh, yeah, I guess she is a snow. I guess she's a um, Billy's daughter. Yeah, but yeah, Dil, Billy's daughter mm-hmm. and um, her sister that's not Billy's daughter. And uh, we see Billy's, wait, did we get a stab? We don't see any sort of stab references in five. In, like, the opening, right? No, 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 it starts,
0: it's just the Jenna Ortega.
2: Yeah, they get me back in right, right away. I'm like, this is real. I'm committed and I'm listening. Yeah, I want I went to it alone because I'm a big boy now. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and uh, didn't need a, hold, a hand to hold. And I was, I was hooked. I was, uh, it was our first time seeing somebody not die after the opening right you know and it wasn't on a highway it, or you know whatever it was um we see <laughs> they make it through which is it makes it questionable you know is this going to be a killer mm-hmm. um it's um we've seen a lot of sibling and a lot of family members being the murderers because of um, because of what jealousy, because that's enough of a motive. Mm-hmm. But we so she's a suspect, clearly. She's in the hospital. Um and um uh, the older sister Sam is hiding that she is Billy's daughter. Mm-hmm. And um she works at a movie theater with uh with this I think in one of my one of my top Killers, in my opinion, but we'll get into that later. I, I really like this guy, and I've seen him in a few things. Um, but there's just something about him that you want to like because he has that Joshua Jackson, he has that Savage Brother energy that is that boy next door. He's Corey Matthews um, yeah. on his world. He He's this, he's a Randy, a bit, right. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But he has a bit of an edge that we see from. From uh, from Billy a little bit too. Yeah. He was a great amalgamation of the the guys that we liked and that the franchise made us fall in love with. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that was why I bought into it I, at that point because of the way that who was they they wrote his lines and their casting. Because of that alone, the motive for me was irrelevant.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. he
2: is very good. And are you
3: familiar with the actor? But remind me how I know him, please. please. So, Jack Quaid is the name. And he is he was on The Boys. Oh, that's right!
2: Yes, The Boys! Do you do an episode on The Boys? We, we haven't have done, done The Boys. boys. If you want to do the boys, we'll always bring it uh, back. Hey. <laughs> Robbie, we're doing the boys. Wait, do you know
1: here? he's like.
2: He's. be <laughs> Pride Month. Dennis Quaid and Meg, Meg Ryan's game. Of course. Yeah. He's yeah. the third McCulkin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: but like, I think of Nepo babies, one, he's never very hourly like identified as a Nepo baby. I think he's very good. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah. Like I'm like, you can keep giving him roles because he's oh, excellent sure. in everything. But he is he's outstanding in this. Um, I think the boys was the one thing I knew him from coming in. And I was like, Oh, it's Stewie, like he ain't, he ain't nobody. He's just the <laughs> guy. And he sells it so yeah, he's good. What they tried to do in four with the ex-boyfriend or whatever, yeah, they killed it.
2: <laughs> they killed it. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I did not think needed to happen was the inhaler bit and how he slowly pulls it out of his pocket. I didn't think this would work. It's like I didn't I wasn't thinking about how you got them there. Like I wasn't it was it was just it didn't need to happen, but I thought the performances, the the stabbing of Sam is so good and the little moments with Billy were it was so nostalgic, mm-hmm. and so to be back at that house, it was what we loved. You know, they got me back in. I don't know how you guys feel.
0: Yeah. Oh, definitely. I wasn't gonna see five until uh, I saw reviews, and I just saw people were like, "This is really good." And then I went and saw it, and it blew my mind.
2: I was yeah. like, "This is this this is hidden." So wait, who? Are... So the yes, yeah, so the deputy sheriff from three. Yeah. No, four is in this and uh we so I thought we were gonna see a gay character in in this series in five. Because I, I don't think we had yet. Was the McCulkin no he was he was straight because he liked getting Frontier? The
3: um his buddy in four claims that's, to be gay when he's dying because one of their rules is like if you're
2: gay, you don't die in a movie. That's right. Movie. That's right. Um I thought that the deputies Son was going to uh, be a gay character, but was well, just what well, just necessarily maybe wasn't. But we see we see a guy in a shower scene, but then we what blew my mind was the movie was screwing with us because they they must have done. Somewhere between ten and twelve door closes mm-hmm. in a row with this guy, and we think the killers gonna be behind, be behind one of them it it got annoying yeah, I'm like I didn't stop smiling, mm-hmm. you know, and uh we we don't see that happen instead. It happens kind of in broad daylight, yeah, yeah. the ghost face kills the mom right outside, and um that to me was just like I don't know if it was nostalgia but it felt so similar to it could happen to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cuz all it would take is for just a moment of time where neighbors are not looking. Like when Walter White picks up the 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 guy from the basement walking down the street in the middle of the street who eventually just runs into a tree running away from him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It you there are moments where neighbors aren't looking out their windows right. and things like these things like this do happen. Um, but they're, j- I wish that I would have loved the secondary characters a little bit more. Yeah. Like the archetype of the jock. He, I think he's handsome. I think that's about it. Mm-hmm. Like that, And, um, but you know, Randy's sisters, super cool. I love that actress. Right. Yeah. Um, What's her name again? Do we know? Oh, she's from Yellow Jackets, right?
0: Isn't she on Yellow Jackets? Well,
2: and girls. Um,
3: okay, so Randy's sister was in three. She brought yes. the videotape. It's her kids. They're the twins. And yeah, and so the jock is one of them, and then the sister is in Yellow Jackets, and I think you might be right, she is on Girls, Uh, the actress's name is... Martha Meeks? Jasmine Savoy Brown, but yes, Martha Meeks is the mom.
0: Oh, the mom! I thought that was Heather Matarazzo.
3: Yeah, Heather Matarazzo is Randy's sister from Three, and then we bring her back, and her kids, yeah, Mm -hmm. are... Yeah, which I mean, they're two actors of color, which is like this movie went out of its way to be like we're not just casting white mm-hmm. people anymore. In fact, the white oh people are God. the bad people.
0: Yeah, in this movie. I did like the kid with the blonde hair in the kitchen scene, which I gotta say on was there was a post-it note saying lemons bars in the fridge. Yeah. Then, you know, oh, good.
4: <laughs> it's it's so
0: good. Uh, his name's Wes. Oh.
3: Nah. Wessex. He's yeah. Um, and then which I think was right an yeah. odd to Wes Craven. And then, yeah, obviously we have the main sisters are played by Jenna Ortega and who's I mean I feel like everybody yeah. knows her
2: now. Yeah. And Melissa Barrera, who was in um in the Heights in the Heights, in yeah. The Heights. yeah, that's yeah. right. Fantastic singer, dancer, actress. Like she she carried a lot of that film. That character does, but she her delivery is great. Mm-hmm. Very happy to see her as um, in a dramatic role like this. I was I was hooked with her. I yeah. really liked her a lot.
3: Yeah, I mean, you have and yeah, so you have two Latina actresses playing like essentially the main characters of this movie, which definitely spins it on its head. Um, then you had, uh, I think her name is Mickey Madison. Who plays the friend Amber.
0: Yeah, which I will say I suspected her right from the get-go because of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She's one of the Manson family. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Which she gets set on fire in both movies, which is pretty great. She's also like five ten. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. That's a six foot six ghost race. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my
3: God. So funny. But yeah, I think, you know, she's good, but man, what's so good throughout this movie is that there are a lot of breadcrumbs. So when I first saw this, you were asking, like, you know, did you guys see it? And I was like, I saw it because of Fred. Well, I was like, oh, yeah, I heard there's good reviews. I thought it was so meta when I first watched it. And I think what I missed the context of was how meta all the rest of the series mm-hmm. was, too. Because it had been so long since I had seen 1, 2, and 3, and 4. And I'm like, all right, what are we doing here? This is just hitting over the head. But coming back and watching all of them, like, in a row and then getting to 5, I was like, Oh, wow. Okay, actually, they're doing (laughs) some really interesting stuff here. And I gained a whole new appreciation for the movie and everything it was doing. Mm -hmm. I like that Sydney and Dewey and Gale are so much smarter.
2: It's like, why were they not like this in 3 and 4? Well, and Dewey and Gale do not belong together. Yeah. It's not because of status. It's because they... They were just brought together because of circumstances. Yeah. and trauma, and that that was it. They, Dewey is not intelligent. He is not on the level of of Gale. Gale does not. Gale deserved better. I really liked that Dewey was still sad about it. You know, she was the one that got away. We had that great moment in the trailer, yeah, mm-hmm. with these superfluous characters that they really wanted us to love. But you know, mm-hmm. we 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 got to say. Goodbye to Dewey. I don't think that it w- it did enough justice because you know, but he had to go. Yeah. Right. And it was kind of heroic how he how he went. And I was I was okay with that for that reason.
3: I mean, if Randy was gonna die after that amount of stabbing into Dewey needed to have died too.
0: <laughs> yeah. Especially because he was already like pretty stabbed already. Like he had yeah. you know nerve damage. But I gotta say on the rewatch, I hadn't seen it since theaters. I watched last night. I had the place to myself. I had made myself a couple drinks and when him Just and... make G- yourself
2: popcorn like Drew Barrymore?
0: I thought about it oh, but I had it in the bag and I was like, unless I can cook it on the stovetop <laughs> I'm not doing it. Oh, yeah. But uh, I was watching and when they had their scene together, Gale and Dewey, I-, I was getting emotional. I was like this is hitting like those scenes in The Force Awakens with uh, Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher. Yeah, Like it's oh, giving yeah. me those vibes right now and like
2: I agree there was stuff that's not earned but it was hidden for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the music was good in 5. The music oh, that, was yeah. good in 5 and 6 again. Very good. Well,
0: they bring back that Dewey theme, which is from Broken Arrow. The doom boom, doom, doom. Yeah. boom. Yeah. That was so
2: good. <laughs> you know what else they do with sounds that is crazy? It's the she. Yes. Every time they just reveal the knife. That's not normal. Yeah. But it gets <laughs> me. Yeah, I love
3: noises like like, that. Yeah, you're on edge immediately when you hear that. I just like the way that they gave. I'm glad you brought Force Awakens because I felt like this was like his like Han Solo Mm -hmm. type thing, and it's a very similar role. Whereas like the minute that they walk in, like Sam and. uh, and uh, whatever her boyfriend's name is, both Jack Quaid and uh, <laughs> Melissa Barrera. And he's like, how long have you known this guy for? What do you know about him? Like, it's like, yeah. it's like, is he somebody you trust? And yeah. It's like, I'm like, God, fucking finally. Like, <laughs> it's like, he's like, I have been through this four times before. I can tell you exactly like what the beats are. And I love when Gail and uh, Sydney are walking up to Stu's house at the end or Stu's old house, which was bought by Amber's family. <laughs> and, uh she comes out, like Amber comes out, Mickey Madison. She's like, Oh God, I've been stabbed. And like, what do you think, trap? Like <laughs> obviously. It's like it's just good to see people who have actually gone through this before be like, Yes, I know exactly what you're mm-hmm. doing right now. You're not fucking with me. Like
0: yeah. The other thing about five, which I'm not a gore person, but I got to say I kind of got down with the gore and kills in five because yeah. they're gnarly, but they're done well. So I'm like not as much like I'm just like, oh, shit, you're going for it. Like nice through the throat where they you know, you know, they did the makeup where they like you know, made up part of his face so they could put a knife through there and make it look real. Like that stuff was visceral and scary and I thought added like a level that wasn't necessarily there
2: before. Yeah. It everything just felt fresh again with this movie. Mm -hmm. It felt like they were doing things that you know, going back to to Billy having sex with with Sydney, it felt like they were doing things again that were just wrong. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That things that were, that go against our values, things that go against the things that we, um, you know, like hospitals are sacred places. You know, so that that felt wrong, which was good. Um, theaters in college are not really like sacred places, so seeing death there <laughs> yeah. is like, well, you know, it's the death of a salesman or like, no, that's <laughs> a dumb joke. <laughs> <I laughed>. but <laughs> but um, it it got it. Got to us at our core because we're we're kind of getting more and more numb with how easily we get information, but it it got me, and I think part of it too, yeah, the introduction of more characters of color and uh, seeing them succeed, it uh, it was good, it it's it felt more. More more realistic. It
3: was a legitimately shocking twist at the end when you do find out it's Jack Quaid and he's in cahoots with Mickey Mouse. I think when the character Amber reveals it, you're like, kind of makes sense. Like, they're, throughout the movie, whenever she calls, like, she's texting Jenna Ortega in the very first scene. And it's like, they tell you right there. It's like, yeah. he's fucking with her. Like, yeah. as, a, as somebody who's in cahoots. And then, like, even when um, Sam gets a call in the hospital the the caller I noticed said it was like maybe Amber so and so and I'm like they're literally telling us it's her like and you're just but you're so caught up in everything else going on you're like who could this be <laughs> right yeah
2: it was it was I mean yeah yeah Sam gets attacked in the hospital that's like that's crazy there's so much security there's so much uh, that that was like frightening That right. really yeah. you you, you want to feel safe in a hospital okay but.
3: One thing that happened in four and five. Oh, no.
2: Where is the hospital staff? There's,
3: like, one person, (laughs) like... Yeah, a
1: stretch of rooms.
3: That's what, like, my fiance and I just kept talking about this as we're watching it. She's like, "Where are all the staffers? Why are no? Why is nobody coming out of their room? <laughs> I mean, maybe they put them on like an emptier floor, but <laughs> even then, I'm just like, yeah, that's the one weird thing. But I think to use it as a setting though is very strong. Where you're like, I'm not supposed to get attacked here. This is where I heal. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it just totally takes a different change. And that gets us to six. I'm curious where you guys are on on this one, because um, this one came out in February 3rd, 2022. Very uh, not quickly greenlit, but it was greenlit soon after the first one or the five. Which I mean, it's called Scream, even though it's technically Scream Five. And I don't like that. I don't like. I don't like that either. either.
2: <laughs> I liked. All, I don't like it. I don't like it.
3: <laughs> all the meta commentary about recalls and reboots and all that—totally fine. I think that's. Very clever. It's very much a nod to the first, but to call it Scream was like, well, now how do we refer to this? It's Scream Five. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so had the same creative team returning, same directors, same uh, writers. Uh, began production in mid 2022. Once they were through a lot of the COVID protocols, um, and then it was announced that Nev Campbell would not be returning as Sydney for the sixth film. First time she was not coming back citing that her contract and salary negotiations had stalled with Paramount and that she would not continue and she was uh, fairly compensated. And I feel like the
0: movie maybe
3: suffered a little
2: because of that. It needs Sydney or Sydney needs to die in Seven. Mm. Yeah. Something horrific needs to happen because it is her story. Yeah. We are there for her. And um, it's just too too you can't you can't take it would be like stephen king taking the Goosebumps series and making it that's a bad analogy. i was like Cause that sounds that's good a, yeah yeah yeah, actually. Actually. <laughs> yeah. i like that i like that a lot no um it 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 just um uh, it would be like taking a uh, a legacy uh that is completely disconnected actually no bloodlines well, besides Billy's daughter, I guess. Yeah. That's too far. Yeah. That's way too far. We've lost Gail now. We've lost Dewey. And um we need some some kind of Wait. I mean Does Gail die? In six? Did I forget this? I thought she made it. Did she make it? She might have made
0: it. Okay. Uh, but that's that's a, that's on the film that you don't see, remember that.
4: Well, right.
2: that is totally on the film because I watched it twice. And it it was just I love. You know what I loved? I loved the... It just felt like the homage of all the costumes being in there, this person's obsession, uh, the dad. It made sense that Quaid's character had this space yeah. for these killers. Um, I didn't like the shotgun scene in, in the gas station. I don't feel like Ghostface would ever, ever kill somebody with a shotgun. Yeah. Um, but... So that wasn't frightening, but... But actually I didn't I didn't like I didn't turn it off, you know? <laughs> um, and I, I don't I don't think that I ever will. But it was just six was janky. Yeah. It was yes. trying to make so many way too many things happen. Um I think they were afraid that they didn't have Nev Campbell. Yeah. Yeah,
0: which I remember hearing this and I heard a rumor like, Oh, this is uh this is just like To cover up that she's going to be in the movie. Like, Uh, I heard it was like, uh, you know, gaslighting the fans. You know, we're going to make you think she's not going to be in it. And then, you
2: know what? She's in the first scene and she dies. Like, that's something that would have just made me hard. It would have made me hard. I would have loved it. I would have loved to see like another Drew Barrymore opening. That is. And it's Sydney. That
3: would have been, yeah, ultimately like a statement. Like, and it's like, this is a brand new run for this franchise, but they didn't do it. They got cheap. You <laughs> oh, <I laughs> know what really they could
2: have done? Hmm? What they could have done is say they could have opened six with us seeing the murder of Maureen. Oh. oh. Okay. Because then we get to see a younger Billy again, which would have been played by another character, but then we could have seen Billy have sex with somebody, and create Sam. Yeah. We could have seen something like that. I don't know. It We needed something like that. Yeah.
3: No, I'm mm-hmm. glad we're getting into some coulda, woulda, shouldas. Because, I mean, it is it, it is on this movie that the fact it came out in March 10th, 2023. This is not, I mean, at the time of this recording, it's not even seven months old. And I barely remember some of the beats of
2: this yeah. movie. I just met First Time Three Killers. Yeah. Which was like, okay, <laughs> okay, fine. We, we think it's Hayden's character for a little bit. Um, oh, yeah. I actually yeah. came yeah. back. Yeah. So Hayden Panettiere, who I don't think anybody realized
3: until this movie, because they never established it in four that she survives. Like, <laughs> we never see her die. You're right. Yeah. In four. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's funny because I feel like in this movie, Yeah, and it's like, unless you die on screen and there is somebody who's like, they are dead.
0: (laughs) You're
4: not dead. They need that
0: in all the movies, just like a doctor that comes over and just does like the, all
1: right. Yeah. (laughs) Because,
3: you know, the the premise of this is not awful. I think they they have them at college in New York. It's another homage to the the first sequel, right? It's like, hey, they're back at college. We're kind of following that storyline again. And there's some interesting things going on. Like, I feel like we're going places for a purpose, and you really feel like you're in the mystery for a bit. There's even, like, the whole bits where, like, there's, like, Randy, when he was, like, trying to find them in the park, where there's another Mm -hmm. callback where they're, like, trying to, like... She's, like, on the phone and, you know, trying to, like, talk to the killer, and they're, like, trying to find them throughout this park. But it just felt like everything didn't pay off at the way it should
2: have.
0: Yeah. And, uh...
2: It was so rushed.
0: It was so rushed. I would say... The opening, I thought, was one of the better openings. I thought the movie opened great with Tony Revolori and... Oh, uh, what's yeah. I Samara Weaving, from yeah. Samara Weaving, Samara Weaving, yeah. that was a great... It's... I'm trying to remember, too, but okay. I remember really liking it. You remember? Yeah.
3: So, Samara Weaving, who is in Ready or Not, she's the lead in that, so funny that they pulled her back in, but she's meeting somebody at a restaurant, and it's Tony Revolori, and... He's like, he's calling her and she's like texting him and they're trying to find this restaurant. He's like, I can't find this. I can't find this. So she goes outside trying to like track him down. Oh, yeah. And he lures her into a into a, a alleyway and kills her. And the first thing we see is Ghostface rips off his mask right away. Yeah. Yes. And, and it's 20 rebel. Yes. The Pest Hotel. And I was like, <laughs> holy shit. Are we about to watch him? We were we know who the killer is the entire time. Like, this is super <laughs> interesting. Yeah. And then they kill him. And I'm like... Oh. Yeah, that was good. That was good. That
0: was so good. I was good. like, we're cooking with gas. This is going to be great. And I think within the movie, there are great tension scenes, but the movie that's stringing them together suck. Like the scene where they're crossing the ladder between yes. the two. Yeah. These are, this is great suspense. Or the scene where uh, the Randy's niece is on the subway and you see all the people in the ghost face killer mask. That scene is... In the top oh. echelon of suspense scenes of *Scream*, yeah. you're totally right. The problem is, the movie isn't very good.
3: No, yeah. it's it's seventy percent a good movie that does not tie well together at all. Mm-hmm. But again, you brought it up before. It makes sense because I think, and it, you know, just to give the the ending of five is the whole idea that you have. Um, Jack Quaid, you know, who these, he meets, uh, Mickey Madison on a subreddit about the Stab movies. And they're like, the last Stab movie sucks. So they're just film nerds. They're movie nerds who love this franchise. They're kind of ripping on like toxic fan culture at the same end that this like... I thought you were going to say State of the Franchise. Oh, <laughs> we, we could.
1: <laughs>
3: but yeah, and so we see that it's like, oh, his family is finding like all of his like heirlooms, right? And they're going to try and get at this family for ruining their family or whatever. And it's it, so it is like a family versus family thing. It's very kind of like Godfather mm-hmm. in a way. But at the same end,
0: it just I don't know. And then Dylan Mulroney. Oh, I mean, give him an Oscar. <laughs>
1: I'm just
0: kidding. <laughs> he, he's putting down the, the the ham on it, and I love it.
3: Yeah, he's really doing a turn. I mean, so I mean, yeah, we're bringing back most of the cast in the last movie because Randy's niece and nephew survive, um, and then no nephew. Right, the call. the core, core, core.
2: core. Oh my god, get out of here! Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah, you don't need to. Yeah, so I mean, we have the the core four, and then yeah. D- Dermot Mulroney. Sorry, not Dylan. <laughs> mm. I, think, I think I'm thinking of Dylan Mulroney.
0: You're thinking yeah. of Dermot, the uh, <laughs> Dylan McDermott, Dylan McDermott, D- yeah. D- McDermot and Dermot Mulroney.
3: Yes, yes. Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Derm, <Derm-derm>. Derm.
0: <laughs> and then yeah, Hayden
3: Panettiere's back. Um, but yeah, and then who, who were like the the brother and the sister that they turn out to be? It's like. It's kind of two newer it's,
2: actors. It's two.
0: It's, yeah. it's, it's like the one girl oh. who has a lot of sex. Like, that's her character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she her name is someone. Liana Liberato. Boy that everyone's like, maybe it's him because he's quiet. Yeah. And, <laughs> he's, and he's like, hey, guys, this is not me. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: Uh, girl's name is uh, Liana Liberato. She's been in a lot of like, yeah, you know, teeny bopper stuff. I don't recognize yeah. anything, but. I didn't want to call out Jack Champion, who plays the quiet dude, because he's Spider in Avatar Two. Oh
1: yeah!
3: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like Loki. That's kind of a fun role. <laughs>
2: I don't know that I loved it, but I I I liked it. <laughs> I like Spider. I liked the dad. I thought that he did a very good job. Very yeah. convincing. Um, but you know the thing about the dad, hmm. that actor wasn't he's
0: he's the one that plays cello, right? Like Dermot Mulroney, or is it Dylan McDermott? <laughs> One of them plays like orchestral cello, and they will do it with Michael Giacchino, the oh composer. I'm pretty I think sure it might he, be is I think McDermott. it's Mulroney. Uh, let me let's see. Tim. Type in
2: Mulroney cello <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll double check it nice Italian dessert
0: Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say it sounds like uh like lemon cello <laughs>
2: some Danny DeVito a drink <laughs> <laughs> let me eat on Melrose place <laughs> could it interest you in a Dermot Melrose <laughs> cello <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: um, he is an accomplished cellist there it is boom. All right, boom. Anita. I saw a picture of him with like this great long white hair and
2: he was doing the cello thing I was like oh damn yeah You know what, in six... Like, Hayden disappears when they're in this museum for a little bit, and you're kind of like, okay, she's the killer. Yep. (laughs) Where did she go? I remember thinking that, like, this is just dumb. We're (laughs) just... We're just... This is so stupid. Yeah. If you... You you've been in another scream movie, Hayden. You stay in groups. <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. The fact that you're separating, like when when Dewey runs up the stairs in the lecture hall away from away from Gale, it's like you dumb idiot yeah.
3: <laughs> and especially because like sorry Hergeny, <laughs> and she just
2: stands there
3: yeah her getting split off is what her got her stabbed in four <laughs> but then she goes uh she goes a cab and then it's
1: like, <laughs> <I'm> like <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: which like I don't know that I blame her it's like okay I'm not gonna let serial killers ruin my life and like um, but it's definitely
0: I mean there's fun stuff in this. It's just not a good movie. I think it's going to be fun one to return to maybe one day just to watch. But I think because coming off of 5 and the opening of 6, I was like, yeah, like you said, they're going to do the, uh, what's the Falk TV show? Uh, oh. Just one thing. We one more thing. What's the, the, where you Columbo, the Columbo thing where, you know, who the murderer is and that's the tension. Yeah. That would have been great. If that was six, why not? It's the six fucking movie. Like, why
3: are you going to, it's almost like they played with that idea and then they second guess themselves and we're like, no, 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 that's, that's too, too different. We got to stay with the formula. And it's like,
0: that would have been kind of
3: fun. I mean, I think the motivation works. I mean, you know, we run down the motivations right from the top down because I think this is the unifying thing. We had Billy and Stu in the first one. Billy is getting revenge on Sydney because her mom broke up his family, mm-hmm. right? So he walked out. I think that's a pretty strong motive. Second. And then Stu is just
2: <laughs> lost for the ride. He's just
0: vibing. Yeah.
2: Two, <laughs> we have. My mom and dad are gonna be so mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> Threw a phone at me. you <laughs>
3: But then you get, I mean, then you kind of all... You're coming pretty
2: deep, man. <laughs> I'm a lie in It's gold. It's so gold. Yeah. But it's like
3: there's real motivations in that. And then the sequel, I think it made sense because you did have the first guy who is like, I'm a movie fan and I want to make this like the movie... But then you ultimately had Billy's mom, played by Laurie Metcalf, who was like, yeah, I'm going to get revenge for my son. So you did have, like, these dual, like, motivations that worked. And I feel like everything just kind of fell apart as these mm-hmm. motivations went apart. I was like, well, I want to be the star of the movie. We get that in, like, three. It's like, I want to make my own movie. And also, you're my sister. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then four, it's like, what? Yeah, Emma Roberts is like, I want to be Sydney." By being, because I had to grow up my whole life hearing about you. What was the
2: fucking Rory
0: Culkin's motivation? Because I
2: think he wanted no, to he be wanted with to, Emma Roberts, probably. No, he wanted to bang Hayden Panettiere's character. Remember? Oh, that's she hilarious. wouldn't. She wouldn't put out. So, d- uh, did we ever establish? So did he just want to like to make a move? I
3: don't know. He's
0: just an incel.
3: Yeah, and In five, and then five. It was Jack Quaid and Mickey Madison met on a subreddit. They were yes. like, the stab movies suck. We need to come up with a reboot that's got based on our real events because the stab movies were just kind of writing their own scripts. Right. And they're like, we need to bring it back and bring real events and base it on that. And then we're gonna base it on our story that we're we're creating. And then this one was is Jack Quaid's family is getting revenge, his brother, his sister, and his dad for him getting killed by Sydney and the sisters, the carpenter sisters.
0: Yeah. Carpenter says so, <laughs> like a band yeah. <laughs> it, it it just felt
3: like I don't know as weird as 5 was it did feel like or as like that motivation was it worked and maybe because it was surprising whereas like I don't know I felt like when the reveal happened in 6 I'm like okay <laughs> yeah it makes sense Yeah,
0: Ish. <laughs> Ish. but you wanted to tie to the deeper mythology I always wanted to Yep. Yeah, Whether it's dumb, like, I want it to go back to the beginning in a way, or at least just the core group, but not it feels just, like-, like, revenge upon revenge. And then it's just a cycle. The next movie's going to be, like, the grandpa, like, you killed my son and my grandson. Right. It's Sydney's dad. <laughs> Whoa, he's back. I'd love, like, a John Wick with Sydney's dad, just like a paunchy, like, 60-year-old guy. <laughs> like, oh, these kids keep dying. I gotta spend more time at home. Yeah. <laughs> it's a god. Yeah. <laughs> But it's just, I don't know, I think
3: it just, it didn't have the right punch as much as it tried to tie back. It feels like it's trying to set up Sam as like, oh, you're Billy's daughter, so you're going to be, you have this killer in you. And it's like, but it doesn't seem like she's really into that. Although my other issue with this is stab wounds felt like a suggestion and not really like (laughs) a sentence. And I'm like, Gail got stabbed many times survived. Like, Tara gets stabbed, Jenna Ortega's character, many times, and survives. I'm like, D- do people just die from stab wounds anymore? Mm-hmm. Like, all the core four survived again. I'm like, come on. <laughs> this is mm-hmm. silly. But I don't know. It. I'm glad that they're coming up with bigger ideas, but I think in, or coulda, woulda, shoulda, it's like, I would love to see them do something like the premise of that Six could have been, or something like, I don't know, that just trying to change an era maybe it is one of the leads that is the killer
2: finally bring it on let's do it mm-hmm. yeah yeah. I think you know maybe losing Dewey broke Gale maybe maybe uh, I don't know maybe it said maybe it is um, I don't know what the next one has to be but I want to go back in time yeah, I
0: kind of was thinking about that, but what if you go like way back, like when they first make like the mask that makes all these masks? Oh, man. <laughs> like, I want the like costume a costume shop? Like an eight, like a 1900, like 1910 costume yeah. shop. Uh, <laughs> the painter of screen. Like, a, it's like a telegram every uh, time. Uh, uh, <laughs> look at this
3: mask I've come up.
0: <laughs> What's your favorite scary movie? See? <laughs>
3: see? <laughs> <laughs> what's, a what's a movie? Yeah, I mean, just
0: like, what's your favorite picture? <laughs> what's your favorite
3: picture? Huh? You seen that one with Because
0: <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like uh, <laughs> a prohibition era scream movie. <laughs> I don't
3: know. Fuck, that'd be kind of fun though. What? Um, but I do kind of like the idea that you brought it
2: before, Robbie. Like, what if it was like a prequel, like the first scream or something? Like I want to see it. I want to see it so bad. I don't want it to be as sex-shamey as, like, the first few screams were. Yeah. Like, calling her a whore and things like that. Like, I want I want to see that, I want to explore these men in her life and the impact the loss had on Sydney and her dad. But I don't know how to do that effectively. Because we've kind of moved on. Yeah. Right? We have to move on. Otherwise, it all comes to an end. And we can't really kill Sydney. It does feel like that would be the last scream. Is mm-hmm. if yeah. Sydney dies. The final scream. Right. But the problem is I would she never was have... was Palpatine it. the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>?
1: <laughs> 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 like,
2: gotta give uh,
3: Chewbacca his medal. <laughs> I do She's like making,
0: hot. like, Gail the killer and doing just, like, just following her. Like, maybe she has her talk show, but maybe, like, there's like writers. Write that book. Maybe there's writers' negotiations and she thinks she's gonna bring her show back, but everyone doesn't like that, so she gets fired off of her show and then she gets angry and she wants to start killing people to make new stuff to write about. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think that's super engaging, but I don't think that's as bad or worse as any of the other motives and anything else.
3: It gives Gail at least some kind of ending that is it kind of speaks to the selfish person that was inside of her. But I also feel like she's evolved where she's mm-hmm. like, she's not that person anymore. She's here to help people. Like, do we try to, right? Mm-hmm. That's like the one thing he taught her in this series is like, you can be an altruistic person and not think about yourself. You can try and help others. And I mean, she does have that first moment in the first movie, but then ultimately is like, I don't need to tell this report.
0: Yeah, but you have like those. You have Sam who sees these Billy visions. You could have Gail having like these Dewey visions. Like, oh, Gail, you shouldn't. You really shouldn't stab that guy. It's (laughs) it's not nice. Gail, put the knife away. (laughs) Come on, Gail. Come on, Gail.
2: Yeah, I don't know how. How I think that they're they're on the right track. They just need a better script. Yeah. Cuz of those great moments in in 6 mm-hmm. and and 5. Um I think they have the right team of performers to get it in. But what I would love is like a um Reese Witherspoon to come on and get murdered. Like, <laughs> let's have those huge names. You have the money. Mm-hmm. Kill them. You know, let's see these people we love. That's that's what we were here for. Yeah. And uh, I want to see it again. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe they don't die. Maybe it is kind of... Um, what's uh, the youngest... What's Ortega's character name? Tara. Tara. Like, maybe it is the beginning where we see Tara not die uh, and it is someone... It is a name like like you know it's Helen Mirren Yeah. And, uh, oh man and I she becomes it. the killer you know yeah, yeah, something yeah. along those lines mm-hmm. um or we see Tara or we see Sam um in um like working in a hospital um where where are their careers what are they doing they can't just be survivors of these traumatic events what are their real life situations and how 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 does it impact
3: yeah them? Ultimately we need to bring stakes back too. I think mm-hmm. that's the thing with this sixth movie, not killing Gale, not killing any of the core four. It's like, okay, so everybody's got plot armor and yeah. we're just waiting for the third part of this
2: mm-hmm. Where are the secrets? Where yeah. are the reveals? Where yeah. what's the new information? Yeah.
3: Yeah, it just felt like yeah, it just was kind of It was it felt like it had a, a big narrative set up for sort of a very standard finish. Yeah, like, yep, it was just the family all for revenge again, same as the original sequel. Did
2: we determine who's who? Sam's mom is. We maybe. did. It was just something... Did, did they say in the movie? They probably
0: quickly said something like maybe she just. Went she to, would have a motive. Sure, she's a character we don't know. I don't see. I don't know. That probably just went over my head last night. I was having too good of a time. She. I don't know that she's anybody significant. She was just somebody, I think, who
3: hooked up with Billy. But she's like a drunk now, I think, because of her encounters. And sure, she was like not flying back from London, even though her daughter got like stabbed
2: severely. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it is Helen Mirren. No, maybe, maybe it is. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's actual is.
0: Mrs. T Tingle. I don't know if she survives. Two white people. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Which I think gets us to our power rankings today, guys where I am asking you guys this week who are your top 3 ghostface killers and Robbie is our guest Would you like to go first
2: I I would love to yeah my first is Laurie Metcalf okay. I just loved the reveal I loved her commitment to the stabbings and this the Debbie Salt like she mm-hmm. she's an amazing amazing actress yeah it was a it was a, a win for them to have her in that role and then Billy and then Quaid. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now are you including the tandems with those or are these just individuals? I did no individuals. Okay. I did love I did love the actor that was with Metcalf. Okay. I forget his name. Oh well, Timothy Oliphant? Yeah. He it was he was amazing. You know, he was but he was a copy. He yeah. was a copy of Billy in a lot of ways. And so that's why he's not it's Lori and then Billy and then Quaid. Okay. Think- Stu's up there. <laughs> Stu's like, the honorable stew mention the crown. Yeah. For sure. But it's just because uh, yeah. He gets his Chewy medal, like in number. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> totally. <is> yeah. <laughs> Good picks. Fred, what do
3: you got?
0: I'm gonna go Stew number one with the bullet. Ooh. Lori Metcalf with two just for those eyes. <clears throat> And then at uh, three, I'm going to make it a scream one sandwich and put Billy Loomis just because I think there is something creepy and also like he seems like a heartthrob about Skeet in that movie. Like He seems like a killer, but also could just be like, you know, the start of a teen show or something. Yeah.
3: I think I'll agree on that front and put Billy number one. Because oh, wow. I think without landing that reveal on the first one, the rest don't work. You got to be able to, like, throw people off the scent throughout the movie and then bring it back and be like,
2: actually, hey, it's corn syrup. Yeah. That's why I wore a white t shirt and jeans. Oh, like, didn't even make the connection. I thought you're just being cozy.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, number two though, I think I will go Jack Quaid because I think he's so good in five. And he and again, he pulls off the magic trick of it can't be this boyfriend. He's yep. got he's got his <laughs> alibis. It it sure is him. Three is tough. I think, and it's so hard not to give it to Laurie Metcalf because she sells not being the killer so well. And I think she does pull off one thing that really bugs me about so many of the rest, including Dermot Mulvaney and everybody else. Throughout the movie, everybody acts so normal. One thing that I like about Stu and Bill... Is that Or Billy. <laughs> Stu
1: and, <laughs>
3: and Bill. Is <laughs> Call that him Robert. My old colleague. My old colleague Stu and Bill. <laughs> Go back to college <laughs> with those fellas. <laughs> um, uh, but I like that they seem kind of unhinged throughout the whole movie. That you would kind of suspect them. Everybody else I feel like seems just way too normal. And I think that's obviously to the credit of Jack Quaid that he does kind of play that very well in that twist. But Laurie Metcalf, I feel like, never loses the thing. She's very earnest throughout the movie. And then when she is revealed, she becomes very serious and whatever. And it's like, oh, that's because she wanted you to think that. She really sells the fact that, like, I didn't want you to have any scent around me. That it, mm-hmm. I, I'm just here. I'm, I'm a reporter doing my job. And when she snaps, she doesn't go hammy. She just kind of goes, you're going to die now. And this, mm-hmm. is, this is all my plan you Fucked my life up, even though I'm really the one who still walked out on my son. And yeah, but man, Matthew Willard deserves his honorable mention crown, he's so
0: good. Um, this is it, Sid.
1: Oh, uh, yeah,
0: <laughs> and I feel like Olafon tried to do a little bit of it with like uh, the Lori Metcalf reveal, he's like, boom mother <laughs> didn't see that coming did ya <laughs> yeah. like the most gritted teeth ever so good
3: uh what a fun it's a fun franchise there's definitely three very good movies there's the couple that are fun to watch and two that we'll probably not talk about
0: <laughs> ever again ever mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. but i i am excited in like 2 years or so Halloween time, throw on six just to see how I feel about it. I think I'm gonna like it a lot
2: more, but it's still gonna be lower for me. I'm gonna go back home tonight, and watch six again. Good, nice. I think I, I bought it. it. I think we might
3: have so. to finish it now, too, just to just because I've watched the first five already again this month, and I'm like, I gotta see six.
0: Yeah, I'm either gonna do Teaching Mrs. Tingle or I'm gonna <laughs> go back and uh, ch- the I've been penalty. watching. Ooh, I, I watch the faculty wild a lot. Things. I, the love, I love Wild Things so much, and I've been
3: We need to stand Ellen Marin as a killer yes. in the future horror yes. movie. There's a good what a show. I've
0: been watching the Chucky TV series recently, and that's been hitting around oh, Halloween times. Nice. <laughs> One
3: day we'll do Child's Play, but we're not there mm. yet. That does get us to the end of this episode, though. Um, Robbie, thank you so much for being on again. Thanks for having me, handsome fellas. It's our pleasure. But before we let you go, is there anything you would like to plug at this
2: time? Nope. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. I'm in. A, I uh, I'm in a, the New York Theater Festival. Oh. So if you're in New York, um, November fourteenth, sixteenth, or eighteenth, I will be in a production called Paradise, written by Michael David Stoddard. Wow. Very cool. Wow. That's awesome. All right. Keeping. Is there a website for this? Yep. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like,
2: we'll add those details. NYTheaterFestival.com. Perfect. All right. Take a look at that. Yeah, if
3: you're in the New York area, you're heading out there. Sounds like awesome. Have good luck with that. Or break a leg. I'm sorry. I'm the killer. I'm <laughs> just uh, Should have known it all along. Fred, by you, anything to plug?
0: Uh, Nothing personally. I will say it's Halloween time. Maybe go out, check out some local haunted houses because I know like... Post-COVID, I think there was some struggle there with some of them. And I went to the Hills Have Eyes for my wife's birthday. I had a great time. So I'd recommend holiday season. You're feeling that? Go check out some of these you know, local haunted houses near you. There's some fun ones in Wisconsin, for sure. I haven't been to one in years, but they do a great
3: job. Um, I'll just plug the podcast here. We are State of the Franchise, Fred and Tom. Find us on Facebook, LinkedIn. Not LinkedIn, Twitter <laughs> slash X. <laughs> we'll be on LinkedIn one day. One day, connect with us and get all that networking. <laughs> uh, we're, we're also on uh, Instagram and Threads, which we rarely use, but we'll maybe use it. We also have our YouTube channel, which is exciting. Uh, look at our link tree. Uh, Stay the franchise, with Fred and Tom. We have uh, links for. Are uh, all of our episodes in our past, and uh, we also have a link for donation. If you feel like leaving a one-time donation to the episode, we would appreciate it. But really, we are just happy that you are a avid listener. And stay tuned for next time, where we have a big episode. It's our second annual Halloween episode. Oh. Scream of the Frankenstein. There you go. You got it. <laughs> and it will be a big one because we'll be celebrating a little milestone then. We'll see you guys then. Goodbye. Bye. Just
1: charge my phone, drive with an And worth the tar do, I
4: will always. <laughs>